Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to start. In 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnum Company. Served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. And part of the Chiefs Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Ace Sanders. Pressure. Penny just dives in. All right, greetings and good Friday morning. Welcome home and welcome aboard inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama studios. They are the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics located in West Columbia, Gamecock owned and operated by our friend and everybody's friend, Matt Vaughn. You'll see him a lot if you're not in Sinorama getting some work done for whatever it is you need. You'll see him at the ballpark, big time Carolina baseball fan. And uh, he'll be around, I can assure you of that, starting two weeks from today when the Gamecocks open the 2024 baseball season 
at Founders Park with Miami of Ohio. Stuart Lake will be here, as a matter of fact, at 11.20 to continue our preview of this year's squad. I can't wait for that. We are built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com, where you can find all of the models and even get some ideas for your own custom designs and so much more to build a dream home on whatever piece of property you've got in the Carolinas, in Tennessee, or in Georgia. The barndominiumco.com, or as we call them, the Barndo Co. And it's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. That means chicken cock is somewhere in the future. Uh, we, we'll get through 2 o'clock today before we start it around here. Actually, we'll get through 4 o'clock. So i got to get the kids from school. But nonetheless, chicken cock bourbon is fantastic. And if you don't know where to find it, if you pull up the Chief Sports app and click on the chicken cock challenge button, you can type in your address, and that'll show you exactly where it's located in a store near you. Schubert, Mad Dog, and myself. I mentioned Stu is coming up uh, in about 15 minutes, and then Mike Morgan will join us today at uh, 12 o'clock and take us home until 2 p.m. when we kick off uh, the weekend. It's been a big week for Xavier Leggett and Spencer Rattler down in Mobile. We will certainly discuss how well they have performed in front of a lot of people who will dictate their futures here in the coming months with the NFL draft right around the corner. It's a big weekend for Gamecock basketball. Every game's big now. The target is squarely on their back, and they're looking for some revenge in Stegman Coliseum. The dogs came in and bit them in Colonial Life Arena just a couple of weeks ago, and they're looking to cluck back tomorrow at a 1 o'clock tip on the SEC Network. Derek and Tommy. Derek and Tommy. Derek and Casey will have it at uh, 12.30 p.m. So we got all that. Uh, we've got plenty of Gamecock baseball we got all kinds of stuff today, but I do want to make sure that we lead off um, with uh, just, you know, if you're, a, if you're a fan of baseball, then obviously you'll get it. If you're just a fan of people uh, or a fan of sport or hopefully both, you'll understand as well. A, a true legend was, uh, was lost yesterday as former Florida State head baseball coach Mike Martin passed away at the age of 79 years old. And what's amazing about all this is that he coached for 40 years. And most will always point to the fact that he went to the College World Series with the Knolls 17 times and never won a World Series, which is crazy. But it was very eloquently written by Aaron Fitt by, with uh, D1 Baseball yesterday, the impact that Mike Martin had on people and on the game. Uh, and the game is better because of people like Mike Martin. My, he he recruited a lot of folks. Um, Chad Holbrook tweeted out a photo, a uh, uh, tweeted a picture yesterday. He took a picture of a letter that he got after he won the uh, ABCA's National Assistant Coach of the Year award back in 2011. And Mike wrote him a a, a letter uh, congratulating him. Um, my cousin was recruited by Mike Martin to Florida State to play baseball. He didn't go. But he's still got it. And that's the thing is so many people, they save this stuff from guys like Mike Martin. 40 years, 2,029 wins. He went over 40 wins every single year. That is crazy. It is crazy. And there are these records that will never be broken in sports. And I, I don't want to say never, but there isn't anybody that is anywhere. I mean, literally anywhere in the ballpark of ever touching 2,029 wins in college baseball. Anybody that was, Augie Garrido second, 
He retired in 2016 with 1975. And of course, Mike Martin continued to coach, but Augie Garrido coached for 48 years. I mean, it, it, it really is unbelievable. So uh, the baseball community lost a, a, a legendary coach and a legendary guy yesterday who impacted everybody, including Ray Tanner, including Mark Kingston, including name whatever college baseball coach you want to. Uh, it was a big loss, and, and hopefully this year college baseball across the land um, does itself a, a, a service and, and honors uh, Mike Martin and the legacy that he left on college baseball. I will, I will uh, now defer my time uh, to the gentleman in the 7-Eleven hat and um, the uh, mad dog down there, but uh, really that was, that was tough news. It, it, it's, it's sad to see things like that happen. Yeah, it's happened far too yeah, often seven, in recent years. CWS, the, the legends getting away from us and stuff, and it, it's always kind of sad. I think mm-hmm. um, when you look hey, at just, Mike, just remind us we're all you know. Yeah, we're getting on up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I true. um, you know, Mike Martin, uh, you know, Florida State baseball. Gosh, when I started following college baseball and they had Deion Sanders, you know, they were in the Metro Conference with South Carolina and competed uh, with Carolina on the diamond. I think I think it's probably the, some years those were the two best programs in that league. And uh, certainly a ton of respect for his legacy. Because I remember when Deion played there. I think Deion went to the College World Series one year. Um, the championship just eluded him, you know. And uh, you, you can even talk to coaches in, in other sports like Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, and, you know, their championships were like two, three, four, maybe coached all that time Uh, in tournament sports. It's it's tough to win a championship. Uh, It's not necessarily uh, indicative of of anything uh, that that he didn't, you know, accomplish down there. I I think uh, a guy used to go to the Florida state Nike camp for, for to cover football in the spring and they've had Florida state baseball going, you know, adjacent to the practice fields there. Nice stadium, great environment there in Tallahassee uh, for that sport. Those fans embrace the sport, and it largely has to do with his legacy. So um, uh, uh, prayers for his family and the entire Florida State community. Uh, Lost a great one, but I'm sure that, you know, they're going to honor him in a number of ways uh, to where his Mm -hmm. legacy lasts forever. And, you know, who knows? They may get that elusive title here. Uh, at some point they've, they've kind of had Florida state's kind of had some rotten luck lately. <laughs> and some of it's luck, some of it's self-inflicted bad luck, but, um, and this doesn't help, but, uh, certainly, uh, you know, sometimes when things look the darkest, that's when they turn around quickly. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. He was, uh, he was known as 11. All the great ones are known by their numbers. Um, they just are, they just are, you know, it's, it's so funny how that there's a, there's a uh, there's a coach. Uh, many of you probably know who this guy is. He's been around a long time in the state of South Carolina, um, and mostly at the D two level. But uh, uh, and now he's in JUCO. Tim Medlin and um, Coach Medlin. He, everybody referred to him as one nine, one nine, one nine, uh, because that was his. And that's just that's just how coaches are referred to in baseball when they when they impact so many people over time in a good way. You know, Mike Martin wasn't scared to chew you out. I mean, that's one of the reasons it made him so good. But um, sad to see that. And and uh, Augie Garrido certainly wasn't. Have you guys ever seen his meltdown locker room speech? Oh yeah, Augie, get in your rear end in a hurry. I mean, so with Coach Tanner. I mean, we sat here and yeah. listened to Coach Holbrook 
but, but you know, shoot. Hey, on that note, I mean, if any of you haven't had a chance yet or have just chosen not to, you chose wrong uh, to go listen to the the uh, new edition of Chin Music um, with uh, Coach Holbrook and Whit Merrifield that was that was released yesterday. We had him on to talk about it. I, I listened to the entire thing yesterday. It's phenomenal. And they talk some of that about Coach Tanner and how he would just walk in and start chewing you out. And a lot of it was just to see how you'd react. You know, some of it was garbage, but that's just Coach Tanner. But all these guys have that in them. And um, so, I've yeah. Met, I've met Rick Coach Tanner three times. Uh, one one time I was on Sports Talk First Edition with Phil Cornblute way back in 08, and he came in and sat in with us. Great, great talk, great conversation. One time I was at the Bigsburg Golf Tournament two years later. He was in my group. He didn't play, but he made fun of me the whole time. Which was, which was, you know, jabbed me a little bit. Oh, this guy's pretty good. You know? <laughs> and then the third great. time was at a serious meeting on NIL recently. And just from those brief encounters, like some of the things you guys say about kind of how, you know, he's very psychological. And mm-hmm. I, I finally on that last meeting picked that up on him because of the way he probes and asks questions. And he's not a guy that's just straightforward asking questions necessarily for the info but to see how you present the info and where your head's at. And, and I think that's a good trait to have in sports leadership period. Uh, and, and then, you know, everybody that, that kind of knows more Ray, the athletic director uh, sees him as kind of this, you know, jovial grandfather figure or something. But then like you look at the faces of those of you that were actually in the program with him yeah. and your eyes get big and go, no, uh, he's, uh, um, you should have, no, you should have been there. <laughs> uh, now nothing's leaked like that video of Augie, which is crazy, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, that was, just, uh, you know, go, but I'm sure it happened, uh, cause there, there's too much truthful testimony to the opposite. So, uh, I can appreciate all these, uh, all these, uh, all the, the, the Ray Tanner approach, uh, to coaching leadership, psychology, question asking, whatever, uh, now that I had that most recent meeting with him and, and kind of put two and two together, I, 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 I sort of agree with you guys. I think it's a cool, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool. I wish I was more that way. Yeah. You just didn't want to be on the, on the bad end of that deal <laughs> In <laughs> like, the Tahoe or whatever you uh, or, or, yeah. or other, or other places. But yeah, if coach Tanner has something to say, he's going to say it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. You either liked it or you didn't. And if you didn't, <laughs> tough luck. Uh, but, um, yeah, hey, uh, and, and I see in the chat box, too, Quantrell mentioned that uh, Link Jarrett following Mike. Well, he's actually following Mike Martin Jr. Uh, Mike Martin Jr. took over, if you'll remember, down there. Uh, and it, ju- it really did, just didn't go well. I, I, I understand. I think everybody understood why Florida State promoted his son uh, to head coach. Um, hindsight 2020, I, you know, I, I'm sure that they probably look back and think that maybe – that wasn't necessarily fair to Mike Martin Jr. Uh, he wasn't probably ready for that, but um, but he got the first crack at it, and you know it went okay, but not to not to their level. Uh, Link Jarrett down there is is uh, he's going to be pretty successful. Link is a is a heck of a baseball coach. So Florida State's going to win one one day. I don't know when it's going to be. The, the time will tell, but uh, they certainly uh, will. Pimp on a blimp. Is it football yet? That would be August. 31st my man we'll uh we'll let you know when we get there uh thanks for being with us today all right spring practice coming up pimp 
Yeah, March 19th, by the way, that was just announced this morning by Coach Beamer. March 19th is the first day of uh, of spring practice this year. So they're going to go a little bit later. And um, he's trying to make some adjustments in the, in the spring. He is he, Coach Beamer has mentioned a couple of things uh, when it comes to training and stuff like that. They're, they're taking a look at it. So they're going to crank it up a little bit later, and then they will uh, play the, the spring game a little bit later too. So um, that um, that's right around the corner. Believe it or not, Joe DeCamillis announced this morning as well as the new special teams coordinator for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, we'll have more on that um, as uh, as kind of the day goes along and as we get into next week too. Uh, but um, not not really much to report on or anything like that. But he's fired up and ready to go. And certainly, as JC has pointed out, has connections to the University of South Carolina through Dan Reeves, his father-in-law. And it, he did say that Dan Reeves has spoken incredibly spoke incredibly well for a long long time about uh, his time here at South Carolina so mm-hmm. that um, that's going to be pretty neat pretty neat yeah yeah and, and I hate, hate coach Reeves there's another legend that's gone you know and around to see this he uh you know coaching being involved with the NFL for as long as he was as a player as a coach under Tom Landry with the Dallas Cowboys and then as a Hall of Fame should be in the Hall of Fame coach um you know, you don't always get back to the alma mater. But after, I think I think he kind of retired around the time Coach Spurrier was in his heyday and they'd bring him back. I think he was a legend of the game one time and Hall of Fame inductee and all that. He played for Marvin Bass, who mm-hmm. through his time with the Falcons was on his staff uh, at like 80-something years old, Marvin Bass. And a uh, little piece of trivia here, too. Marvin Bass is the reason that Lou Holtz became the coach here because Lou Holtz, uh, a young defensive back, backs coach with a lisp, Lou Holtz was hired by one Marvin Bass to come be an assistant at South Carolina. And uh, he says in his book, that's the, and they, they ended up getting fired. And I think Dietzel replaced them. Um, I think he wrote in his book that after getting fired, he and Beth sat there and wrote down all his goals. Like I want to be on the Johnny Carson show and all this. And, proceeded to go and meet them and then come back here and in their career. So um, that's uh, that all kind of ties. Funny how things kind of all tie together sometimes uh, when you're talking about the past and the present. So there's some football for you. Pimple. There's some football for you. There's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, we need to step aside. It's 1120. Uh, Stuart Lake is uh, set to join us here in just a couple of minutes. Gamecock baseball is two weeks away, and they'll be throwing the first pitches uh, at Founders Park uh, that afternoon, Friday, February the 16th. And we'll start to take deep dives into the Carolina program. We'll talk a lot about the pitching staff. Um, and uh, or I'm sorry, we'll talk about a lot, of, a lot about the offense and the defense this week. And then we'll kind of roll our way into the pitching staff next week with Coach Lake. And then the following week, we'll be ready to go. Watch those guys play Miami of Ohio at uh, Founders Park in columbia everybody hang tight we are powered by electric bikes of charleston electricbikescharleston.com you can come from anywhere in the state of south carolina and have the best quality the best service the best warranties and the best experience because michelle wilkins and her family own it and they're just awesome and incredible gamecocks and big time donors to carolina rise as well cannot thank them enough for what they do for us for the community and for the university of south carolina Hang tight. Coach Lake up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's 2024, 
and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take Tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time, 803-543-6297, 803-543-6297. Rescues and Resin, proud supporters of Carolina Rise. They are also proud partners of the show. They make products you can't get anywhere else. Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate, make your home, or make anything stand out. Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Couple of great voices leading us back from break there. Of course, the legendary Tommy Moody, who will be honored throughout the season at Founders Park, always a part of Gamecock baseball. And then, of course, Eric Church, as we all well know that voice. And we know this voice too, Stuart Lake, joining us here at 1124, just two weeks from opening day at uh, Founders Park. And can't wait much longer, man. It's uh, I'm getting I'm getting antsy. So I'm, I'm I'm tired of these Fridays where, you know, you order pizza and you try to figure out what to watch on Netflix and all that crap. The hell with that. You know, let's let's get some baseball. Uh, so in two weeks we get to watch Gamecock baseball every Friday night, seemingly forever, and uh, can't wait. Glad to have you, man. What's up? Oh, not too much. Just catching up, listening to you guys, and obviously we want to lead off too. Sad day for all of us in baseball yesterday when. I kind of got the text from Ken. I was on the road with the job and just want to let you know Coach Martin passed. I mean, that was a – he was a part of me as a player growing up. Those Florida State baseball camps were a big deal back then. There was no travel ball really. And then as a coach, getting to go there and play as a player in college, then getting to go and coach against him, he was a legend, will always be. And it was just a sad day for all of us with his passing. You know, uh, listening to him, I've never had a chance to meet him. Um, no, uh, I, I pro- seemingly everybody around me has met him. I've never met the guy. Um, everything I ever heard about was one of those dudes, You, when you had a chance to talk with him, you felt like you were the only person that exists on the planet. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. He, he just And he made me comfortable because obviously I sound pretty Southern and country, and he was a guy that <laughs> – he was him. He never tried to change. He never tried to to be anybody different. He was just Coach Martin, 11. And when you would go play, he would come over to your dugout like Coach Ron Polk did a lot. He would yeah. introduce himself. He knew it was a big deal. It was part of intimidation as well when you were going in there and you were Charleston Southern or whoever. But then when I was a coach, it was an open line. You could call him if you just – and you tried not to. You didn't want to take advantage of that you know, ability, but when you went to play them, we would always play a two-game midweek series with them. 
he would do it every other year with me at Charleston Southern, would pay us really well. We'd drive down, play on a Tuesday night, and then play a Wednesday afternoon and head back to Charleston. And it was a highlight of my career. And we went in there one year and had a good team, had a chance to beat him on Tuesday. I always laugh because we were winning and it wasn't five innings complete. And he walked over as it started to rain and just told me that we're not going to be able to pull the tarp today, Stu. Our guys have exams tomorrow. And he had a great line and the game got rained out. We'll just start over tomorrow and say this one didn't happen. And uh, I got on the bus. My players were mad. We were winning five to three in the going into the fifth. And they're like, Coach, why would they not tarp? I said, you know what? You think I'm going to argue with that guy? <laughs> One day you guys will realize what it means for us as a program to come here, what he means to so many of us. You know what? Today we're just going to get back on the bus, go to the hotel and eat our pizza. And uh, we'll come back up over here tomorrow. And that was, uh, I think it was around 2011 or when we had a pretty good team. I see those guys now and they go, ah, now I get it. I get it. And I said, yeah, that's just one of those things. And uh, But he's surely going to be missed. And as you said, as we began, we lost some really good people here for us personally, baseball. Obviously, Tommy Moody. Now we lose 11 going into the season. It, it's one of those that makes you enjoy it. You know, enjoy this time because it's not guaranteed and it's not guaranteed forever for sure. You know, I, I wasn't it 19... 19- 90, ooh, I want to say one or three. It might have been later than that. Hold on here. Somewhere in the early to mid-90s, Coach Civitary took the Cougs down when they were number one, and they knocked them off. Do you remember that? I think that was in that mid-90s type. Maybe yeah. it was 93. I think I was still at Charleston Southern when they did that. And I you think remember it was that? 93 or 94. I think it was, too. And I'm trying to remember – I, Scott Oliver's name keeps coming to my mind that he pitched yep. that game, but I don't know if Ollie pitched that game. Um, but I remember, I remember Coach Sibiteri, uh and Scott Foxhall having a conversation about that game years and years and years ago. And I thought about this yesterday, um, and I remember them talking about how after the game, Coach Martin walked over and just basically gave the guys a pat on the back man y'all y'all got a good team you know good coach good coach and he i guess he really liked who doesn't like like ralph um (laughs) you know so uh but i I remember them saying you know not only did we win but you know we got mike martin in our dugout sitting here telling everybody how great we are that's it's just the type of guy that he was it's 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 really sad i what i mean you're a baseball you're not coaching right now but you'll always be coach lake always forever and ever and ever um he won 40 games every year. That's it's absurd. I don't think anybody's ever going to get to 2029 wins like he's got. But what how did he do that? Like what did you see in him as a coach that allowed that made that program so consistent? Well, like y'all, I got to watch the program growing up a lot cuz they were coming here every other year in the Metro Conference days. Need Mike on here. I got Metro Conference in. But, you know, you start seeing but they were doing something that most schools weren't doing it. it was called the Seminole camps. So they were inviting kids from all over the country to their campus. You go to their camps. They were recruiting in a style that nobody else was recruiting back in those days. And I tell you this after I've asked people like, why was Florida State so much better in that period than 
you know, team A or team B. And it was just, they were one at the time they were putting the money into it that a lot of people weren't also, but he was a great talent evaluator and he kept his staff. It seemed like the same people were around him the majority of his season. They also figured out play a lot at home. You knew when you went to play Florida state non-conference, you knew who was going to umpire the games. You just did. The same guys are going to be there umpiring the games. They were going to call it fairly, but they wanted to umpire the next game at Florida <laughs> State. And you knew that going in. He figured a lot of things out that, uh, as we joked in the coaching business, it took a lot of us a little longer to figure out. Then they also had, at the time, maybe the only true baseball crowd. South Carolina, we had the third base hecklers, which were awesome back in the Sarge Fridays. But their whole stadium was like that. They had chants and songs. It was – I don't know if you ever got to a baseball game there, but it's it was related to me one time like an old Washington Redskin game. They all yeah. knew the chants. They all knew the – and it was intimidating to go into as a player. Then to go back as a coach, I enjoyed it way more than I did than when you're in that as a player because I knew this isn't going to – I'm not going to get to do this a lot. And I would try to tell my players – this is the environment you work so hard to get to be in. Embrace it. Don't be afraid of it. The fans are terrific. They're going to give you food or something after the game, win or lose. And yeah. Coach Martin was legit. He was him, whether he beat you, whether he tied, lost, whatever. And that, I think, is what sold that program so well was him. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 really sad. It's really sad. But what a legacy left. He made the game better. And and there's so many people that are in the game now because of, of Mike Martin. And and it also goes to show you as we kind of turn the page to the Gamecocks here, what I mean, what they did, that stretch run, winning back-to-back national championships, winning 22 straight in the postseason, playing for three, what Coach Tanner led, that goes to show you how hard that is. Because this cat – Probably the greatest baseball coach ever, alongside Rod Dato, I would imagine. Right? Uh, you know, he he goes to seventeen World Series. I mean, you're going to seventeen. You're going you're going to clip one, right? You're going to get one. I get two. Hell, you might get four or five, six. Well, the talent they had, they didn't get any. And it, it's still baffling to me. I don't think that that's a reflection at all of him as a coach. I'll never think that. I don't think anybody does, and nor should they ever. But it goes to show you how hard it is to win when you get to the middle of America. And it also proves that that run that the Gamecocks went through was magical. I agree. I don't, you know, when you say a record's not going to get broken, we know it will, but that 22 in a row by the Gamecocks, it's really hard to imagine that getting broken at least for a long time. And then to think like what you just said 17 times to Omaha. I mean, it's incredible. Um, You know, as you said, he, Rod Dato, Augie Garrido, obviously I heard y'all talking about him earlier. Those names are just elite names. I I, can't. Stuart is frozen. Oh, no. This is not a welcome development. I was learning something. We'll get him back. We'll we'll uh, we'll we'll get him back from that exact moment. I assure you. We, I, it's, like you know what? He's in his office. Yeah. So those that like I, to complain to the university about everything, call seven 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 
7777 and tell him to fix their internet. <laughs> hey, if he's, he's if back. he's in the office, is he back? We got him nope. back. Nope. I thought he was. So if he if he's in the office uh and it's an internet thing, then you know whose fault it is. I will say Coach Tanner. Ray Tanner. That's Coach Tanner's fault. Ray Tanner cannot even so get my- the the online services on time. Wait, no, okay, never mind. He's back now. Okay, good. Uh, yes. Swanee, hey, Ray Tanner, hey that's internet. Coach Tanner's fault. He didn't. He didn't fix the internet before he came on today. Put put another one on his staff. We well, must fire Ray Tanner for the internet outage today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, I was thinking, what did I do wrong? But nah, that's Coach Tanner's pick, fault. Pick right up where we were. I mean, those guys are elite. Coach Tanner's in that and. You know, I'm gonna go today. I heard you talking about Coach Holbrook having uh, wit on. I want to hear that, but I did want to say, y'all always we're hat people. I yep. heard you talking a little bit. You mentioned Coach Madlin, so uh, USC Sumter. I'm gonna be prejudiced here. My son's down there, so they open up this weekend. So I wore the fire and hat. But yeah. baseball started in our state yesterday. Lander beat Erskine, I think six five. Uh, all the Division two starts today. So I've been kind of trying to text people, good luck, and try to get it going. So we got some baseball. I may be following it on the computer if I'm lucky and the internet stays, but we've got baseball started in our state, and uh, I'm super excited. We got a bunch of high school teams are wanting to come watch scrimmages, and and, and it's just getting that feeling with two weeks that it's about really to get rolling. Yeah, I, I saw the that JUCO happens. boys rolling it out there now. Uh, I remember my JUCO days, and um, it ain't warm playing this time of the year, I assure you. Yeah. Uh, so hats off to all those dudes who are going to strap it up and go to, like, middle Georgia and play a three-game series this weekend in the snow or something like that because I did it and yeah. never wanted to play baseball ever, ever yes. again. After that. But that, hey, I love that new logo for them. Or not new, but like I, I love the Sumter logo. I meant to say that. I, I didn't awesome. know what it was. I was going to ask you if it stood for Stewart. Like, well, like you're rocking the Stewart hat today. That, but uh, that is this is his NIL brand. Yes, yeah, that is his brand. Right? NIL brand. Yeah. <laughs> but the Fire yeah. Ants, I, I didn't know that that was their logo. That's 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 I like that. I like that. I, I like the how's, fact co- the how's Coach Medlin doing? He's doing great. I actually I got to see him yesterday. I try to stay out of the way with my son there because. But I played for one nine. So my freshman year, I'm at Newberry yeah. College. It's his first full time year, 1990. So I mean, we've we've been friends and have stayed friends. I'm very proud that my son now is playing for him. And um, but I went over yesterday, and what they have done at Riley Park is awesome. I don't know if you've just seen it online. Uh, they went in. They have basically taken what Coastal did at their stadium, turfed all the foul territory, the uh, home plate. Ooh new padding and they've named it the coach Bobby Richardson field at Riley park. So it has coach Richardson's signature up the first base and third base line. It's beautiful. I mean, I really awesome. It it is something. And we all know what coach Richardson means to Sumter and for him to get to come in that ballpark, he's going to be there Sunday and to get to see his signature up that line. And, And all of us that are Braves fans, there's some dang good players played in that park, yeah. you know, on those 90s Braves as they were working their way through. So yeah. it's just so much history. And they, Sumter embraces that park and that stadium and that team. And it's just, it's been fun to see it. And I'm excited for Coach Medlin. I'm excited for my son. And you're right. They're getting on a bus ride tomorrow, I think, to Southwest Georgia 
somewhere <laughs> about three and a half hours and then coming back and play them in Sumter Sunday. So Juco mm-hmm. baseball, you, you're eating a lot of uh, sandwiches on the bus and half of a pizza. And it's, I keep telling him, enjoy it. I promise you, you will want those days back one day. So enjoy them while you're having them. Yep. You'll love those bus rides that last forever and you get $7 on your <laughs> to stop and eat with. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Boy, what a blast. Uh, you, you're right. It's the, it's the, it's the, the camaraderie is what you'll, what you'll miss. Um, yeah. Well, here we go. Coach Carolina baseball is ready to roll it out in a couple. We'll get to the staff next week. want to give those time, those guys a little bit more time to, to get some pins in. We know there's some dudes coming back from, from um, injury and things like that. So we want to get a little bit more information on how they're progressing before we really begin to, to dig into them a little bit, but we don't have to do a whole lot of digging to talk about the offense. We know what's returning there, uh, especially in the middle of the lineup. I think it was last week, coach King uh, was asked, I, I, I texted him about this too. I said, have you thought about the lineup? He said, yeah, I'm kind of thinking we'll, we'll start with Petri at three and Messina at four and go from there. Uh, it seems like a pretty good place to start. You got two preseason. I mean, whoa, hold on here. You got a pair of preseason first team All Americans hitting third and fourth in your lineup, coach. I mean, dude, that makes everybody better in a hurry. I think so. And now I'm no mathematician, but I would guess there's only 10 first team. Maybe I didn't even write. Maybe there's only nine. Oh, yeah, I wasn't good at math. So you're talking about you've got. I mean, that's a big deal. If I'm Miami of Ohio and teams are starting to now break the roster down and get ready, you know, you're going, well, I wanted to pitch around Messina, but Petri's hitting there. Well, I want to pitch around Petri and Messina. So those two guys certainly are where it all starts. But I'm excited today. I I kind of picked on Monty. I said, put the starting team on the field today because I can't see tomorrow and Sunday because I'm going to watch something. I want to see who you think. Now, that don't mean they will today. It could probably be some more guys mixed in, but I just got to thank you starting out. This, as you remember, JB, this is the last weekend you really, as a coach, you really get after it this weekend. You know what I mean? This is the one you're trying to get yourself solidified. Next weekend as a coach, number one, you're saying, please let no one get hurt. This is our last weekend of scrimmages. Uh, You know, so you start thinking of that stuff next weekend because you're about to open. But this weekend, this should be game-like. I mean, they're, uh, I call over to ask mine today. They're actually going to hit inside just so they have more time on the field. The NCAA still regulates 20 hours a week. So you can't just, you know, go JUCO. And uh, so they're going to start on the field. They'll do in and out. He said around 3.30. First pitch is right at 4. I'm excited today. I know we're not doing pitching today, but you get to see Eli Jones go against Dylan Eskew. To mm-hmm. me, that's two of the best that Gamecocks got. So that lets you see the hitters are are you ready yet a little bit with those two guys rolling out eight inning game at least they're shooting for so uh, starting at four so you can see where the sun's at you know for in two weeks you start dealing with that sun as we all know in the outfield here so very game like field today in my opinion when I talked to guys this morning well, let's 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 dance around the uh, the ballpark a little bit. We'll start with the forty eight outfielders that they have on this team. I I don't know if Coach King and Monty and Joey know that you can only play three just yet, but um, they're going to figure it out here soon. Unless they go to the old, you know, elementary school kickball method where you just put a bunch of dudes out in the gaps and see what happens. Um, 
they got a lot of guys out there and 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 and, and a lot of guys that can do some di- different stuff. We know about Petri. We also understand, according to John Whittle, uh, he's been playing some third base, and we'll see how he kind of progresses there. Tal's dealing with a little bit of a hammy still. But, the, you know, they brought in a bunch of outfielders, and they returned outfielders. Let's start with Dylan Brewer. Um, he's a guy – I know you remember well when he was in high school, five-tool player. Everybody wanted him. Went up to Clemson. Um, he'd get hot. He'd get cold. He'd get hot. He'd get cold. And he had a little bit of that streakiness in him last year, but it, it sounds like this offseason he's been pretty darn locked in and has a chance to be the Dylan Brewer that I think a lot of teams were hoping to get when he was looking to sign somewhere uh, coming out of Lotta. I think so, too. And and it'll be interesting to me because you're going to have to figure it out. They're only going to let you pencil in those nine guys. So that's why I think this weekend's going to be big. But Brewer's got – he's got one thing that's very important. He's played at this level. Clemson last year here in this league. And, and I learned from Coach Tanner, anytime guys are even and you got an older guy, just play the older guy. You know, that was always – let's put the oldest guys, the most experienced guys – they're not going to be perfect, but they they shouldn't make the mistakes that younger guy makes. So I think Dylan gives you that opportunity. The interesting thing to me is looking at Blake Johnson last weekend in their scrimmages, the transfer from Charlotte, he looks like he might be a leadoff left-handed hitter. He's in center field. So I'm kind of curious today. You start to kind of have to be detective and read the lineup and, ooh, what does that mean? And what is it? But – I think it's going to be a tremendous battle when you come to their outfield because I, I think – and that's a great thing because whether we like it or not, there's going to be some issues with injuries. You still got Evan Stone, who's one of the best defensive center fielders maybe in this league, and we haven't even talked about him yet. So I think that's going to be – that center field is going to be a position to really see who gets the nod opening day. You talk about the middle a lot. We we know who's catching Cole Messina, um, and we'll get to the middle infield in just a second. But when you when you open the season, is it generally you know? I mean, all coaches do it a little bit differently, but do you feel like they lean on the side of defense and kind of give that guy a crack to get it going offensively, or they you want to put the bat out there at first, or maybe that helps us kind of figure out who they're going to start in center field. It does, but you always feel like your bats are a little bit behind the pitching this time of year. That's true okay. for Major League Baseball, everything, just getting in it. I, uh, the coaches I've been around, King's one of them too, you put your defense on that field first. Yeah. Uh, offensively, I mean, like we both said, you know, Petri didn't even play the first uh, – start the first two games last year. Now, they didn't – really none of us knew what he was going to bloom into so quickly, but there would be changes. I, I gave my son a pep talk. I said, don't get so wrapped up in the first lineup of the year. Start seeing who's playing game 15, game 20, as y'all get into your conference play. We all put so much on opening day sometimes, and and I did too as a player. So I think we're going to see that first weekend some different lineups, unless some guy just comes in. Let's say Brewer goes in and goes three for four first day, then, yeah, he's probably back out there game two. But I think we will see some – trying to figure out is the defense what's going to be best for us? Is it an offensive day? And it could change, as we all know. So, you know, Founders Park can have that win howling out just as well as in. And some of those days you want to try to outscore them and not, you know, worry about defense. What about up the middle? Uh, Parker Nolan transfers in from Vanderbilt, and um, Will Tippett has been moved back to the infield, who obviously played a bunch of outfield last year as well. So he's over at short, but – 
Lee Ellis is trying to trying to make a quick impact as a true freshman. I'm not sure how much you've seen these guys, but uh, I know they they like where are short at least. Yeah, and I do think Ellis will be a part of it. Right now, I as we kind of go over there again today, I think Tippett maybe is a little bit more his nod right now. But there's no doubt, Lee Ellis, I, I still do a lot, and I keep up through recruiting, and, and some scouts are some of my best friends. Ellis is a guy. He's mm-hmm. a guy. I don't know if he's a guy right now, but he's a guy that has everything you would hope to have as in this league as a shortstop. And I think he will be a guy, but this might not be quite his time. Who knows? It could be. As you know, one bad hop, somebody else got to run out of that dugout real quick when a, whatever happens. So it sure makes you feel good that you have a battle at short. And I've coached before when you're going, oh, my God, who's going to play short? That's the worst feeling is when you're trying to think who could play it. And I, I think they're pretty solid. As you said up the middle, you got Messina locked in back there behind the plate, which really makes you feel good. Um, someone will step into that next role. Is it the freshman Ryan Bakes or, you know, maybe Lee Croy may even catch some too. I don't think that's out of the question that we see him catching a little bit to give Cole a day. But uh, y'all remember, you do, especially Landon Powell. I mean, shoot, Landon caught about every game. So Cole could be from that same cloth if it turns out. Yeah, you know how it is, catchers, man. We're strange birds. You don't ever want to come out of the game. And I know Cole doesn't. It it it, it is always uh, teams whose leadership comes from behind the plate. Coach Lake, when you, when you have a pretty good club like these Gamecocks do, yeah. it, it seems to take them a little bit further when the when the leaders is squatting down. Have you seen the same thing over the years? Absolutely, absolutely. You look around any level of baseball. There's eight dudes looking at him. You know, he's looking at eight guys. If your catcher is not a guy, you struggle. I don't care what level, if it's starting out in, you know, Little League or Major League, your teams that win, they have that guy. And that catcher, not only of what he does to his teammates, he is your quarterback. You know, it's funny to me. I always say how they pick on us as catchers, our bodies, and can't run. And But who's the coach always talking to? They're talking to the catcher. You are the quarterback of that team. And when that guy's not it, think it lasts. You know, when he moved out of that catching last year, I thought that hurt the Gamecocks. He got yeah. back behind the plate when some guys got healthy. He's just got that something about him, you know, and uh, I love him too. He's got my favorite number on, so I always pull far more in that one nine. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, he's he's something. I think what impresses me the most about Cole, so when he first got to Carolina, didn't get a lot of playing time. Offensively, he looked he looked a little out of whack. You could tell he had been – working on some things, you know, if you remember, and this was before he went up to, I think he went to the Northwoods League, if I, if memory serves correctly. Um, and uh, you could tell he was a little out of whack. He was trying to do some things that that uh, just just hadn't clicked yet. Well, it, it obviously clicked last year, but offensively. But I think defensively, and that's that's where my eyeballs always are with, with the catchers, coach, just like you. You know, how, how do they manage the game? Are they able to steal pitches? Um, are they able to understand umpires early enough in the ball game that helps their pitchers get a little bit more comfortable and those type things? You know, can you nibble, 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 and know when to stop? All that type of stuff. Um, and I've, in, in my in my eyes, um, not that this matters, but in my eyes, watching him grow back there defensively has really, really been something. 
uh, because I, I just wasn't sure about him behind the plate at this level when he got to South Carolina. I mean that very respectfully, very respectfully. Yeah. But but in the last 365-plus days, he has turned into a hell of a defensive catcher. And People look at the stuff like how many runners did he throw out? Well, you and I both know. There's a lot that goes into throwing out runners and things like that. I look at other things. You know, I look at how many balls are called strikes. And, and, and when he blocks it, is he burying it or is the thing kicking up the first baseline? How do his pitchers respond when he comes out and talks to him? All the little things that they kind of get lost. And he gets an A-plus in every single one of those categories. He's really been spectacular. Yeah. It, well, you and I know him, the history of him. I mean, he's a really good linebacker at Somerville. Didn't yeah. play the senior year. So it really was his first time just being a baseball guy when he got here. And then that year was such a tough year because you just weren't winning. They had some great veterans on that team with Eister and Seitler, but it was a hard year that year. But I'm with you. He just, once he got comfortable, realizing that he doesn't have to look like other guys. So that's yep. hard too as a baseball player. Sometimes you think, and he's got that body, and I had where, man, I don't look like, Grayson Griner. I don't look like whoever. Landon Powell was the best at saying they should look like me. Don't tell me I don't look like so and so. They should look like me. And I, you know, once yeah. Cole got that feeling going, I knew that football mentality, that leadership, and and the guys like you. You know, yeah. and yeah. when you're going to be a leader, you got to be the guy that they're going. Well, he's doing it. I got to do it. I got to work. And you said something about umpires. That's huge. Those umpires are under such scrutiny now with track man. They know immediately after the game, balls and strikes. And when they have an ally sitting in front of them, that's huge. Because we forget a lot of times how hard it is to do what they're doing with 6,000 people telling you you're bad at it. You know, and <laughs> when you have that ally and Cole gets that, then you also have a voice to go, hey, you got to give us that one. You know, and then that's where he's been so crucial, in my opinion. And that's what I think his role is going to be with this pitching staff that we don't know yet who's going to be the star. You know, we right. know Eli's going to kind of roll out there early and whoever, but I think he's going to be the key to him is finding it out and getting comfortable. I know I'd be asking him a bunch if I were king. 100% agree with you. I think that is something that has not been talked about enough at all, and his name's going to come back up in our conversation next week with his staff. They got a bunch of really good arms, but early in the year, it's going to be Cole Messina who helps bring those guys along and help them find their role. I thousand percent agree with that. I think it's very well said. You got something? You, oh, okay, I thought you. I thought you were about to say something. Um, on the corners, Gavin Casas returns. I'm really anxious to see him. I know his body type has changed changed a little bit. We know the power he's got. Um, and, and, you know, he had some, some incredible moments last year. He had some moments where he struggled a little bit too, and, and kind of snapped back out of it there. I'm, I'm anxious to see what he looks like and, and really hope that Talmadge Leecroy can, can get healthy. Cause there's another guy who, when, when he's healthy, he can really help you do a lot of stuff. And he's, he's a, he's a firecracker too. No doubt. I know I really haven't tried to dig in too much on the side. I know the hamstring has kind of been his you know, one that gets him a little bit. And I know they're very careful of him. I went to a scrimmage and, and they're trying to make him take care of it running down the line. Don't try to beat out a ground ball to short in the first scrimmage of the year. Let's, you know, get that energy going. But 
he's just what we always used to call the old dirtbag player. You know, he looks like a guy that sleeps in his uniform. He, he may, actually. And <laughs> they need him to be involved. Whether he's hitting – I mean, Talmadge is one of those guys that could hit second or eighth for you. You know, he's just wherever you feel like that need is in your lineup to to do it. They'll uh, That's what he's so big. But he's also – it's his third year. In the SEC, when you can run out guys who have played in the league multiple years, yep. two is nice, but three is better, and occasionally you get that senior back that's, you know, like Andrew Eister. I'm kind of texting with him this morning. He got to play three or four years in this league. Seitler, that's invaluable. And that's what Talmadge and Cole now, they've, they've played in this league for three years now, and this league is – is so much better when you know what to expect. And they're going to be – I think Talmadge, again, is a – he's one of those guys for this team as well. Yeah, they got a bunch of veterans on this team. Uh, you know, we haven't mentioned the names of Carson Horning. We haven't mentioned the names of Kennedy Jones and Austin uh, Brindling, guys who transferred in. Kennedy Jones is a just flat-out hitter. Uh, he's just a flat-out hitter. And Carson, Carson Horning, he can swing at it very well, too, especially when he's healthy. But the dude's always on base, so – you know, I, I guess the point is, you just mentioned two, three-year guys. They got a ton of them. There's two, yeah. three-year guys everywhere. I mean, it it only helps. With well, the I think separates. Yeah, and JB, I think that's why this offense. When you read anything that you know, the people that know are talking, they talk about this offense first. The reason you know them, you know the names. You know, Kennedy Jones. I got to watch him. I do some TV for the Southern Conference, and he was a dude. He's I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that – and he had a relationship. He's played in the summer with a lot of guys on this team. So, it helped his transition here. You know, yeah. a big thing, Coach Tanner, I, I know I use his name a lot, but he used to always tell me one of my roles, and then it became Monty's. Then it became, you know, whoever after us. Help them feel comfortable because I'm going to be on them. As y'all were joking earlier, he was in-their-face kind of guy. But let's get them comfortable. If we get them comfortable, then evaluate them. It was hard to evaluate a player who was still nervous or homesick or unsure. He said, so y'all's job, get them comfortable. And when you come to me and go, hey, Drew Meyer's now comfortable, now I'm going to really evaluate him. I use Drew's name because he was one of the first guys I got to be around with that. And that stuck with me forever. And I would say it to players as a head coach. When I get to go around the team and somebody will fist bump me, I'll just – I'll say, man, that guy looks like he's starting to get comfortable. And that doesn't mean he's three for four or pitching well. It just – Eli Jones last year. Eli Jones finally would laugh because he's number 14 and they're retiring Kip's number. So – and Kip was 14. I said, hey, Eli, you need to get him to take – and I can't remember if the name was on what we said. You need to run out on the mound and that other team go, holy crap, this guy's already got his number retired pitching against us today. <laughs> you know, and he was laughing. He said, I never thought of that. I said, yeah, that's what's great about not retiring numbers here. You know, I keep wanting them to retire Jackie's number. Then I can say, that's my number. You know, I was 19 <laughs> coaching. Jackie was pretty good. But, you know, Eli yeah. had finally laughed. And I said to, you know, at the time, Coach Parker last year, I said, it's good to see – a guy that I'd recruited who I knew was good starting to get comfortable. So I'm yeah. super excited for him to now be kind of maybe the Friday night guy. We'll see, but at mm-hmm. getting comfortable is huge. 
And offensively, when you're comfortable, you have mature at bats, and and this group is is primed for that. Mature at bats matters in the SEC um, because every weekend is a grind like you can't imagine. Real quick, got about a minute left, and then we got to let you run on this. Um, the SEC, speaking of the league, did announce yesterday with the additions of Oklahoma and Texas uh, that next year, 2025, they're going to go to a 16-team format in the SEC in the Southeastern Conference baseball tournament uh, over in Hoover which is certainly going to be a little bit different from what we've all been used to for so long. So the way that they're going to do it, 9 through 16 will play on Tuesday, single elimination. And then on Wednesday, the 5 through 8 seeds, they'll be awaiting those winners, single elimination. And then on Thursday is when you'll get the top four seeds who will get the winners from the the previous day. Um, And then they'll single eliminate this thing all the way to a champion. What do you think about that? You know, here's what we're doing. And – I know Hoover's excited to keep Tuesday through Sunday, but yeah. it is hard when you knew if you didn't make that tournament, you knew your season was over. It doesn't mean you're going to make it as a 16 seed and still get an at-large bid unless you win the tournament. But, you know, it also – I'm a coach at heart. You knew if you didn't make it, there were coaches getting fired during that week that didn't make that tournament. So I, I, I know in that room they were thinking too – I'd like all of us to get there, at least maybe delay the inevitable if I'm the 15 or 16 seed. But I don't really – I'm excited. Let's see how it goes. I love the old format. I mean, I did. I used to love when, you know, really we were trying to win that thing at times. I was fortunate enough to win it at Ole Miss and get close here one year. We lost in championship. But I don't yeah. know. We'll see. But that's the thinking behind that is let's let's make it tough on the selection committee. Let's not make it easier and just tell them, okay, those four, those six already eliminated. So that's the SEC, in my opinion, trying to protect itself and give them that chance. And if you're going in there a one through six seed, you don't really care. You're kind of ready to get home anyway and protect your arms and set yourself up for your regional. It'll be a battle in those single elimination games. I can tell you that. Though. So that format's not a baseball format to me. No. It's, uh, but it, it, So if you have a 15 seed that has a stud pitcher, uh, and it, it catches fire all of a sudden, maybe get some guys back from injury. To me, in a single elimination, you could run through that thing. All you got to do is get hot and win, what, five games, four games in a row? Yeah, um, no doubt. There's no so doubt. There'll be a Cinderella, I think, with this format. And plus, when you add Texas and Oklahoma to this league in baseball, Coach, it just gets ridiculous. It's just ri- ridiculous is the best way to describe it. I mean, those are two of the best. I mean, Texas is one of the best programs ever. Oklahoma's certainly been so man that's a so maybe the 14 team 14 team be a pretty good team by the time this this all comes together so they will be they will be and it is incredible to think that you're adding Texas and Oklahoma to what we already think of this league that's what we were talking about last week everybody's got a Friday night dude in the SEC they're all everybody's Friday night guys going to the big leagues um so uh that's what that's what you get here hey man uh, I know you got a busy weekend and I know we kept you for a long time today but uh, that was the plan. Uh, can't talk enough baseball this time of year. We're we're fired up, and uh, next week we'll kind of begin to look at the pitching staff, and then after that we'll begin to look at the field because they'll be playing on it in in two Fridays. Can't wait. But thanks for all you do, man. Really, really, really appreciate you. No, I enjoy you guys. I love listening when I ain't on, so I'll turn it off and keep listening. And two weeks away. Can't wait. We got the golden tones coming up, so who knows what's about to happen around here? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Tell him lunch thanks, on coach. him next time. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no doubt. Thanks, Coach. You're welcome. Thank you, Thank Coach. You all.
Good weekend. Coach Stuart Lake uh, joining us here on ITG. All right, so well, we're it, past due. Yeah, you guys yeah. didn't tell me I was echoing. Uh, no wonder. Yeah, just, I looked like He looked at me like I had three heads when I was talking, and I was like, oh, man. Well, I, did I, did I couldn't hear it on my end. But, no, I, I wasn't. I didn't tell you. My mic wasn't on, and it was going to my computer mic, and my computer mic uh, uh, conflicts with the webcam mic. Uh, it's just, yeah, it, uh, there's a reason it was doing it. I don't know. But uh, good call, JB. He sent me a message. Check your connections in StreamYard, and I did. And they were off, needless to say. It's okay. So, it's sorry, okay. I apologize. God, I didn't apologize. Well, it's, uh, the audience, you know, if you look at some of our reviews on Apple Podcast from about a year ago, it's like, they need to fix JC's mic. And so I'm paranoid about it now because I, I, I splurged and bought the Mike Morgan mic. Like, this is the exact one he's got, you know, for his recommendation. And it's worked pretty well after the initial flub. So I'm I'm, I'm paranoid about it. Paranoid. Want to sound good for y'all? You sound great. Out there. Thank you. you. Thank you. Awesome, it's beautiful. Man. The golden tones of J.C. Sherbert. Well, the golden tones of Mike Morgan are up next. Don't go anywhere. We're gonna have some fun. That's the whole reason I'm here today. I want. I, I've missed him because he's on Monday and Friday now. And it's like, man, we've been a long time without hearing from the Morg, and I want to hear what he thinks about all this basketball. He, you know, I don't. I don't think those in the chat box. I don't think we're gonna get into the Arkansas rumors. I don't think Mike. Nah, touch, touch that we're one. Not, but, uh, we're not. Touching. But uh, everything else is all that. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game.
It's Groundhog Day. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. and served by Chicken Cock Bourbon at 5 o'clock today. It begins because I've had a terrible throat all week and I need bourbon to fix it. And so that's what we're doing. Thank God for Chicken Cock. That is their new wire on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Always live from the Sinorama Studios. Of course. So the uh, so the furry little rat apparently did did not see his shadow. Phil, Phil, this is your look. You Phils, y'all, y'all are all in the same little thing here. So did your furry little rat? He did or didn't see it. At last I heard, it's an early spring. So what does that mean? He did or didn't see it? Did not. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Shadow does not scare him back into his hole. The oh, okay. springs just around the corner. So you, my understanding now. Now, did he communicate this directly with you, or was that from the news? Because I know y'all no, you know, feels of a feather flock together. Yeah, just from the news, really. Uh, you know, I mean, because there's a southern one as well. I believe. What is it? The uh, is it General Beauregard Lee? Is yeah, the General one Beauregard. <laughs> General yeah, yeah, Beauregard right. Lee. Right. Yeah. He's, he sips on a yeah, glass of chicken cock bourbon. He runs out there and tells Not everybody. Not do declare that well, the spring will be here yeah. early, gentlemen. You know, I, you know. matter of fact, I don't think I saw my shadow. Oh, you didn't, huh? Is that because you're hungover or because you didn't look? I'll, I'll say this. It was 56 degrees and sunny in Chicago yesterday. Golly, you should have been outside in a bikini then. Huh? I was. Did you see your shadow? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I make a shadow, Phil. You're not gonna miss me. Uh, I ain't gonna miss my shadow. But uh, no, I mean it was. Uh, and, and so the people at, at the establishment I like to go to, we were we we're hanging out, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I guess the groundhog, blah blah blah." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just sad the sense of belief and hope that some of the people around here have about the weather one day, and then the next day their dreams come crashing back down to earth and they're cloaked in darkness and sadness again for another four months. All right, let's play a game. Let's play, let's get, let's get, Oh, wait, before we do movie yeah. groundhog day, fiber or dimer for me, dimer, it's, a, it's a Ben Franklin for me. It's a Ben. Oh Franklin. yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. It's a dimer, That's dimer, a dozen dimer, a million, whatever. That yeah. Is. Mike, Mike. Hey, how's it going? No, no, uh, no. Is it a fiber or dimer groundhog day? Uh, I'm embarrassed to say, Oh, no, no, don't do it. If you say you, this, don't do it. Show. I've never seen it all the way through. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. There are a couple Bill Murray's, uh, Bill Murray movies I've not seen all the way through that I, I should. My. Groundhog Day, What About Bob, and kind of a curveball that is completely unlike anything Bill Murray has done, but was critically acclaimed Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation sucked. It was terrible. Really? I okay. But I, I don't know. What about Bob and and Groundhog Day? I, yeah, dude. What yeah. about Bob alone? Is baby stuff. I know. Oh. And like, Groundhog Day is the ultimate South Carolina movie because, well, Bill Murray lives down here. I'm not going to say exactly where he lives, but he lives here in the Charleston area and owns the River Dogs. Everybody that didn't know that. And then he Andy another McDowell. Team, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he did. He's he's in a group. He's in a group of people. Okay. Did, but, yeah. uh, and uh, Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell. Oh, Andy McDowell. I did not know that. You know, Andy was 
during her prime, if you will, she was considered one of the like glamour girls of of Hollywood. She was in St. Mm-hmm. Elmo's Fire. She was the major crush that Emilio Estevez had. Emilio! She, she four, was in a lot four, of those movies. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, like if there was a rom-com, Brat Pack, uh, 80s, early 90s, like she was there. Yeah. It's it uh, weird about her. I could tell she was from upstate South Carolina, too. Like, like the look is similar to a lot of women in the upstate. The the mannerisms are similar. I mean, yeah. Mike, She's do you know it. what upstate town she is from? Not a clue. Uh, I didn't even know she was from the state of South Carolina. So uh, <laughs> Spartanburg, <laughs> I don't know. Girl, Gaffney, close. Indian. Gaffney. Gaffney Indian. Gaffney. Gaffney. Now, pride. Kristen Davis from Sex and the City went to AC Flora, did she not? Correct. She Columbia. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, well. Okay. Yeah, she's that one I knew. South Carolina. Yep. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, I, t- I never told you about the time, like my buddy and I, we were going to the South Carolina, New Mexico state game in Oh, two, no Boise state in Oh one. Cause I was in Greenville and me and my buddy skip got in the car and he had a little bit of the devil's lettuce that we partaked of, uh, on our way down. And so we stopped at Maurice's barbecue in Ballantyne. And that was back when, when Maurice's barbecue had all that, uh, that, that counterculture literature spread everywhere so we're walking in there kind of uh and we see all that we're like oh my god and then we walk out of the door and guess who's walking in andy mcdowell i'll never forget it did you ask her for an autograph did you give her a hug what happened no that was well that was before everybody had a camera on their cell phone and stuff i didn't really know what to say i was like this has been weird enough (laughs) <laughs> looking at the literature, picking up buns and 15 pounds of barbecue and slaw and all that. And we're sitting here kind of, you know, a little foggy headed already. And I'm like, I, I just need to oh, no, oh no, Tommy, don't give her the weight room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, give her the I, was like I, was, I want to get to the stadium and, and eat some of this barbecue and have a beer and get back to football. Cause this, this little uh, stop off on this exit has been bizarre. <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, just you bizarre. know what the weight room is? <laughs> You were the weight room is? Did, did you give her fat guy in a little coat? Um, fat guy in a little coat. By the way, VJ he nailed must it. Be one of the Yankees. Dale Bieberman was her character in St. Elmo's Fire. Um, oh, and, yeah. and that was like Emilio was just obsessed with it. We've all had that, right? At some point in our life, you know, just somebody you're like, gosh, she just hangs the moon. And then very often she mm. doesn't actually hang the moon, but that was his hang the moon was Dale Bieberman to the point where he drove to some uh, log cabin in the in the snow when she was with her her bow, and like went out of his way to 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 go there and winds up sneaking a kiss with her and then uh, laughs and goes. That's what Emilio was. Emilio was a thing. Like if you were to buy stock at that point in time on Charlie Sheen or me brother, I think a lot of people would have bought stock on Emilio. He was on fire. He was uh, Billy the Kid at Young Guns. Young Guns, Breakfast Club, the wrestler who taped the kids' buns together. I mean, I don't don't condone that, but still. And then, like, like Minute Work happened with his brother. And then he went away. Which is a great movie. That's a, that's a Ben Franklin for me, Minute Work. Minute, minute, minute is Work is a Ben Franklin? You'll swing oh, for been, this, James. Yeah. I do not. I'll give it's it a dollar. I don't know about Ben Franklin. By the way, kudos to JC because I'm, you know, my way back from Missouri yesterday, and for those that don't know, Missouri is like by far and away the worst trip you can take in the SEC <laughs> because the moment they joined the league, 
no uh, they they got into a pissing contest with Delta Airlines and Delta pulled out. So you used to be able to take a direct flight from Atlanta to Como. And when they got in the SEC, that made a lot of sense, right? Uh, well, then now you can't do that anymore. So what most of us do that are broadcasting a game there, we fly into either St. Louis or Kansas City, which is about an hour and 45. And then you got to get on the rental car shuttle, which is like 20 minutes sitting in a van that hasn't had the, re- the shocks replaced in 20 years. So every pebble you go over feels like you just hit 6.3 on the Richter. And then you get your car, and then you drive two hours and I mean, you, you question whether or not there's any civilization between St. Louis and Como. You just see a bunch of billboards and wasteland, and then you get there. So a lot of free time. So how did I choose my free time on the way back to the St. Louis airport yesterday in my car? Well, obviously, I put on the Chief Sports Network and a little ITG. And as I'm listening, I hear, and I can't even remember the context, but it warmed my heart to hear J.C. Sherbert make a Boogie Nights reference and talk about the character who we came to do what we mother bleep and do. Like that that <laughs> whole scene is it's so dark and yet it's so good. Now that is a Ben Franklin boys and girls. Ben Franklin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was a big probably, fan of roller girl. For my yeah. money, probably the one of the best directors of our time and Paul Thomas. PTA. Too. And he's got a, he's shooting a movie with Leo now. Like, woo, that should be okay. tasty. There we go. That should be a little tasty, I think. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so that was uh, – I always think about that with, like, what is the dumbest possible decision someone could make? And I always reflect to that scene. <laughs> and, and and that person, like I was talking about ignorant and arrogant people, and that they're dangerous. And I always – when I think of that, I think, no, that guy was ignorant, but also very arrogant. He played so, a guy he, named Todd Parker – who was a male stripper. Um, yeah. He, he also was the star of the show Hung on HBO. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say he was in the movie 61, to bring it back to sports for a moment, with uh, with Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, that whole uh, thing. But I could be wrong on that. I could be wrong on that. Anyway. Speak, uh, speaking yeah, of movies just... and shows, any of you, have you seen Griselda yet on Netflix? No. Ooh. No. Ooh. I just watched the – that's a show or a movie? Oh, it's a show. It's uh, with Sofia Vergara. She is Griselda Blanco, who was the well, big, uh, oh, oh, in the in Miami. Well, I mean, so one of my favorite documentaries is Cocaine Cowboys. So that's who the Godmother she's, is based. Yes, on. yeah, she plays her. She plays. Her. She's. It's. What do they like? Hit her with a baseball bat for ten minutes in order to picture no, you know, to be realistic? No, because no. Sofia Vergara and the actual woman that she's playing those are that's night and day man no it is but but just you gotta watch is it good oh i'll watch oh, it because it. i anything it's, about it's pablo you won't and, go to bed you'll stay up you won't go to yeah. bed it's one of those it's one of those i, I just got another ones and that's yeah, netflix yeah it's phenomenal oh, okay i'm in it's no you phenomenal. had me and the last like hello. three the last three episodes of it yeah you, you just you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time i mean it's yeah. it's it's uh mm. no yeah, i mean i sucks. watched narcos cocaine cowboys one and two i've been to colombia i've been to medellin i went on the pablo escobar uh where one of his safe houses is and then my wife and i when we went to tulum there's a place and i would recommend it to anybody who's listening that might go to tulum 
this was another like Pablo had all these hideouts. He had more money than anybody on the planet, right? Uh, you know, back then you didn't steal money by being a hedge fund guy. You stole money with cocaine, and he had this beautiful thing right on the water, uh, off the coast of Tulum. Well, obviously now that is not the same purpose. So they turned it into this upscale restaurant slash museum with some of the most beautiful artwork imported from New York. And, and the restaurant is phenomenal. I, I haven't been to any place like it in my life. And it's, again, I'll, I'll get the name for anybody who wants to go. But it's in Tulum. Uh, but that used to be another one of Pablo Escobar's hideouts. Mm. Mm. Well, these, they, I, I just, I'm shocked at the world we live in now versus the world that they were able to get away with all the stuff they did back then. It's like, oh, gosh. How did all this happen and nobody could stop any of this stuff? There's people getting their heads chopped off on the street and I didn't oh, see it. Yeah. You know, well, and like now we're just yeah, yeah. And yes, narcos is a Ben Franklin. I'm with you, Darius. I I, I would just say the, the cocaine cowboys, um, the most powerful statement in that is from like the coroner who they start showing um visuals of the the, the sight line, the skyline rather, in Miami. And you got all these beautiful buildings and and you know Miami, if you watch like the documentary on the University of Miami football, Miami was a place that had nothing. It was just a sleepy town with sand and uh, you know trees, and virtually it just old people just went there to die. Like that was it. Miami was not a metropolitan, glamorous city, and all of a sudden, all the cocaine money from people like Ezrelda, the Godmother, and Pablo Escobar. That all came in. That's when Miami's skyline got built. That's when the jewel, the car dealerships kept running. They kept selling out of high end cars. the 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 banks had no more money to to, to loan. Like it was, it, all that was based on cocaine money in the late seventies and early eighties in Miami. Mike, we got to step aside. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful segue, Jamie. <laughs> On that note, let's uh, let's well, talk about the net ranking. No, but I didn't realize what time <laughs> it was. But because well, you went I over didn't... with Stuart Lake, who uh, I know, it's my yeah, fault. Yeah, no, the, the, the clock doesn't apply when it comes to to Stu. No, I'm I'm kidding, man. Stu's no, great. But I wanted to before we did that. I want we 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 were, I was going to throw something at you. So it's going to be a major curveball. Okay. I know you're more of a. I, I know you're you're a better shot than you are a. You know, being able to hit a, you know, a, a twelve six breaking ball or something. I'm like fine that. if you throw me if you throw me fastballs in the cage. We can go out there now, Jamie. Dial it okay. up to as, as high as eighty five. Okay. Lefty or righty, I'll make contact every time. Well, you I'm gonna throw see me a curveball, and it's I'm going fishing. This is probably going to be a slot. I'm going to see if you can hit this one as you to take us into break with this. Give us a call. If you were on the call of Punxsutawney Phil seeing his shadow in Punxsutawney PA, what, what am would I? What am I a clown? Am I here to amuse you? Am I just <laughs> You're the, this, like they, this is where they screw up on TV with this whole groundhog thing? Like, put somebody in the booth and let him call it. You know? Oh, the, I, would, I would never. I would never sign Mike. Yeah, <laughs> some of, some of his cohorts on SEC Network. I could, I would if I were an assignment director, I'd, I'd send them it, out to Punxsutawney. All this. I mean, if I can think of a couple like, off I'd listen, of my head. I'd listen. I'd listen to that guy call the names in the phone book. I'd rather listen to you call the uh, <laughs> the, the groundhog emerge from his shadow or from from the hole in the ground. Give, I'll give narrate. Call. 
I can't I can't find I can't do disingenuous enthusiasm for the whole <laughs> you don't have a go-to line for, he saw no. his shadow oh no. my god there it is yeah. ladies and gentlemen i, I, I can call I, it like i'll do it like larry munson all right you know, we got the little critter and he's he's lining up he, we lay down ponsomy lay down <laughs> get out son get out son oh no go behind the clouds I mean, springs right around the corner. Here he does. And, and he lies up there and he sees it. And oh, we got a shadow. Glorious day. Look at the sugar Where's, falling from the sky. He stepped Grab- on our face like a hobnail boot. We crushed their nose. Oh, my God. I, I could do. I love Larry Munson. I could. I, I used to. I'd turn off Charlie Mac Alexander and listen to him. When Carolina played George and I'd listen on the radio. When I had. Um, um, and and this has been like many good ideas get duplicated. When I was doing my show in Columbia, I had a a combination, and I'd get together with the late Benji Norton, and I'd have him help produce it for me, of movie quotes, which we love on this show, and calls and famous calls. And the call, one of the calls I used was Larry Munson calling the Brandon Bennett leaping touchdown to for the Gamecocks to beat Georgia, and. Mm-hmm. It's no disrespect to Bob Fulton, Mm-mm, but it, Larry it, it, nailed it. But Larry nailed it, and what I loved about Larry is that you could feel the pain in his voice when it happened. Oh, it was yeah, it's so genuine. You he could lived feel the pain, um, and that's what it, I mean to me. For a team announcer, like people would say, Mike, I could tell in the first thirty seconds listening whether or not we were winning or losing before I even heard you tell the score. That that yeah. was Larry, you know. Yeah, I, 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 that calls they're in that inverted wishbone <laughs> like a power eye thing. Like a power eye thing. Yeah. Lay down, you guys. Seven, six, lay down. South Carolina's going to try to get a playoff. They give it to we Bennett. Hit him, scores. Bennett scored on the last play of the game. So good. Bennett, so a great athlete, freaking good. leaped over the pile and broke our hearts with two seconds to go. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's one of the best one of the best calls involving a Gamecock win ever. Not involving Maybe a Gamecock announcer. At that yeah. point, he is the best one. It's the most the famous op- one. That was the opening game of the 93 season after Tanny Hill had won 5 out of 6. And I honest to god after that game, thought, I didn't think Steve Tanny was ever going to lose a game as a starting quarterback. <laughs> uh 10 games later they're 4 and 7 and fire Sparky Woods, but you know that that game it was like his magic. I mean, there's something magic about that seven game stretch where he, uh, they lost one game in the swamp to Florida 14 to nine mm. during that time and started 0 and 5 with losses to everybody. Just were getting mm. at a player revolt. I mean, that, that was a, that was a wild time. Tandy Hill was a badass and he didn't have pro wide receivers all around him and pro running backs all around. Like he didn't have the best supporting cast. He was just a baller. Say what you Bill. want. I know a lot of people hated him, but he was a baller. There's nothing like inside the Gamecocks the show where you go from punks at Tawny Phil to Steve Tannehill in a matter of about 35 seconds. They're both from Pennsylvania. They're both from Pennsylvania, dude. And Dale Bieberman. And Dale Bieberman. Oh, and Dale Bieberman. Sam asked a good question. What TV intro theme song is? Cheers. Ours would be uh, our intro. Our intro. Theme song cheers. would be cheers. That's the first thing that came in my head. Where everybody it, it, oh, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. yeah on the Delta yeah. flights right now, if for any of you that are about to get on a Delta airplane, you know, you have your little TV screen and you're kind of you're you're yeah. subjected to Thank whatever you. they provide. 
which a lot of times is is garbage. But no. they have season one of Cheers on the Delta plane, so I just binged on that the whole way back and forth. Yeah, when I came back from JC's wedding, they had um, I think it was Paramount Plus. I was in heaven. Sein- Seinfeld really? was on uh, the Mar- Must American Fight. I took, but yeah, it's they have different things too. But Cheers. Now, if you're if you, you want to know the most, like, and I told a story about the most pimp TV theme song ever of all times from the '80s. It would probably be Family Ties. Because there's a shot and a knot in, and That's, the lyrics you can't go wrong just, with a shot. The lyrics don't even match that show. The lyrics are just so freaking deep. And then and it's show just like ahead this of its time. sitcom. Yeah, that show Alex is way ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah that so put anyway. Michael J. Fox on the map. By the way, I, I'm pretty sure the the brunette in Yellowstone went to Hammond. Did she not? Mm. Somebody fact oh. check me. That's a good question. We'll we'll check that during the break. Somebody uh, we'll somebody in chat that. row will know that. But yeah, fact check me. We'll get um, EWFTW to check that during the uh, the break. We've got uh, a lot to get to with Mike today. Uh, in addition to um, the uh, top end speed of snails, um, favorite <laughs> earthworm. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, in July, a, I, I certainly <laughs> want to get to Mike. I want to get to Mike Martin with Mike Morgan. That's for yes. sure. Uh, we'll talk some football today. Uh, Liam Cohen is back to the off to the NFL. Uh, we've got a driver on the SEC, and uh, don't Ask you all all. worry. We have an enormous, enormous matchup tomorrow in Athens yeah. between the Dogs and the Gamecocks, and what in the world is going on with the Kentucky Wildcats and throughout the rest of the SEC. It's been a crazy, crazy week across the country, so we're going to get to all that. Mike Morgan is here for another hour and 31 minutes. I promise we're going to fill yeah, up. I, the- I want to hear what he has to say about all this basketball as a fan. Like, yeah, I'm waiting I'm, for this. I got plenty sorry, of thoughts on it. Contract. We're going to get to that. Uh, I woke up today. I was like, man, I'm looking forward to hearing what Mike has to say. about. Uh, <laughs> Unlike the normal drivel, Mike's yeah. going to bring something good today. Loaded <laughs> <laughs> up the basketball background for us to do movie reviews and uh, <laughs> talk about it. Oh, we're so, all over the map. We cover the, all the bases right. here on ITG. That's right. That's right. Hit, hit the button, Phil. Hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up a screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns to Touchdown, number three. Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence, the Website is RyanBrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. 
Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This is Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, Bill Mullinax, and Jamie Bradford. God bless this great state of South Carolina and Bob Seeger. 1233, welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show, the national anthem at noon every day is presented by our friend, your friend in the state of South Carolina, the state's friend, Mr. Bill Goss, former basketball player at the University of South Carolina, but now the owner of the best catering company in Columbia. And I can prove it because they've won the award three straight years. Uh huh. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. Dot com to book them for any catering needs. You got graduations coming up. You got birthday parties. You got whatever. Might be a bar mitzvah. They, they don't discriminate. They'll cater anything. And they've got the best food. Order double mac and cheese. It always goes quick. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue.com and Carolina Barbecue Sauce.com to have the sweet heat, the Carolina gold, and the secret spice rub delivered right to your doorstep. It makes everything better. Billy G's carolina barbecue some breaking news here and here we go mike jc mad dog this is going to be a little bit different from from the alliance uh this is hey we are the now the powers and we're going to figure this out this is uh was just sent to my inbox a few minutes Mm -hmm. ago from the southeastern conference the sec and the big 10 are forming an advisory group out of birmingham i'll read the uh i'll quickly read uh, the release uh, from the league. The Big Ten Conference and the Southeastern Conference today have announced the formation 
of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors to address the significant challenges facing college athletics and the opportunities for betterment of the student-athlete experience. These challenges, including but not limited to recent court decisions, pending litigation, a patchwork of state laws, and complex governance proposals compel the two conferences to take a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future for college sports. The advisory group will engage with other constituencies as necessary, including consultation with student-athletes and other key leadership groups from within both conferences. The advisory group will have no authority to act independently and will only serve as a consulting body. Its composition, charter, and timetable, as well as the specific questions it might examine, have yet to be determined. A quick quote here from Greg Sankey. There are similar cultural cultural and social impacts on our student-athletes, our institutions, and our communities because of the new collegiate athletics environment. We do not have predetermined answers to the myriad of questions facing us. We do not expect to agree on everything, but enhancing interaction between our conferences will help to focus efforts on common-sense solutions. I know that was a lot, but I wanted to make sure that I read it to the audience. Um, Mike, we'll start with you here. What this looks like is somebody needs to take control, and we're the two leagues that have the ability to do that. So let's uh, let's put our heads together and try to figure out the best way we can move college athletics forward. Your your thoughts? I was just about to tell you guys because um, I saw our man Pete Thamel just uh, reported that like three minutes ago on X, um, and I was going to give a tease for the upcoming Love Chevy drive around the SEC what recent news has to do with the Tennessee situation, because I do think there's a, a relation a relation there. It's not exclusive to the Tennessee uh, NCAA case, but it's part and parcel to the bigger picture. I believe, based on people that I've spoken to, uh, what's going to happen is the SEC and the Big Ten are basically, basically going to tell the NCAA to kick rocks. We don't need you. We don't want you. You're a brilliant event planner for the other 87 sports, but we don't want you near football. You don't touch football money now. You're not going to touch it in the future, and you're not going to dictate how we run our business. Uh, When the SEC and Big Ten have an alliance, this is not that powder puff alliance of the ACC, the Big Ten with a weak commissioner, and the PAC. That was a a punchline. This is legit. Like, this is... When you, what you just read is it, it's it's a lot of legalese, and so it's kind of you know when you hear something like that, like, what the hell does all that really mean? In my opinion, that's what it means. They are yeah. bracing themselves to give the double bird to Indianapolis and the NCAA and run things the way they choose to run things. You've already shown NCAA you have nothing but allowed chaos with NIL in the portal. And the only thing you're doing now is knocking on the door and hammering a former Alabama baseball coach and now going after a Tennessee program, which I'm guessing football and baseball. Uh, and, and I really believe that they're just – that this was like the, – these are the final straws. And when Greg, Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti, they're like, they're not long-lost buddies. And they're yeah. really competitors. But when they decide to have an alliance – that shows you how both of them are ready to make a power move, and I think that's the next shoe to drop. Yeah, the NCAA makes strange bedfellows, but, uh, I mean, 
these are the two premier leagues in the country right now. And yeah. <laughs> Who don't want to help each other out at all, right? No, I mean, yeah, that that are diametrically opposed on all sorts of absolutely. I I, I agree on this. I think we're heading. I mean, people, people. I think we're heading towards an AFL NFL style setup. What What do you What is What do you think, JC? My my question to you on this is: What do you think the NCAA, as they read this about this, uh, this? advisory group formation between the big 10 and the sec what do you think their leadership uh is um is currently doing and, and discussing in response to this uh, the same thing they've been doing since charlie baker got there and I, I like charlie baker he ran it he's had a tough job mark emirate deserves all the criticism he can possibly be shoveled upon uh for how he handled everything but they literally kind of guys are stuck between a rock and a hard place i, I did feel like just knowing the arrogance of that organization and, and sort of the mindset in Indianapolis through the years is that they would they would go overboard trying to enforce the rules they could to try to kind of it's kind of like um oh was it Proctor in Police Academy at the end where he's blowing the whistle telling everybody stop 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 and they're just running by him and all that um or or Peck and Ghostbusters when the marshmallow falls on him. Uh, it's gotten to that point where, where they're just, they're powerless, but they're still blowing their whistle and, and, mm-hmm. and saying halt and we're going to do this. And, uh, they're like a dysfunctional homeowners association at this point. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I, so, I mean, like, like you look at just, Good I mean, on, and it's been on everything, even stuff I've agreed with the NCA on, like I thought, well, com- it's, it's common sense to, to, if you're going to do free transfers, it does help to say, all right, you can do it once. And you get one free one, but then you have to either graduate or and be a grad transfer, or you have to like, you know, you have to have a really, really, really good reason, right? And they got their pants sued off by West Virginia's attorney general because guess what? West Virginia basketball had a player that wasn't eligible. Uh, same with Louisiana; they had a kid that went to LSU, had a kid that went to Tulane and came back, and, and then he, yeah, they got him eligible. And, and so these attorney generals, these politicians in these states. And I think the NCAA doesn't understand that. Once the ousted decision came down from the Supreme Court, nine nothing. I said this yesterday. They're just waiting to get them back in front of the Supreme Court if they choose to fight it that far, to where they can blow the whole thing up. And, and, and unfortunately, with the way they've handled NIL, mm. uh, which led to the free for all, uh, and led for the, to the, all these loopholes and collectives and things like that. Unfortunately, this is their own doing. Had they had some common sense. To begin with, we wouldn't be here. Had they said, okay, you can, so we, we will give you money for your jersey. You can get paid for your autograph. You can, you know, you can have a camp. You can do have a YouTube cooking channel that you monetize, which they shut down at Ohio State. I mean, you the know, common is. sense things. Yeah. Remember the you know what, JC? Florida? I, yeah. I, I think you're right about that. And in, in, in retrospect, it looks so silly that they would like deny kids getting money for the EA sports game. Like, just just dumb upon dumb. The only pushback I'd have on all that is if one thing we're learning in, in everyday life here in America, the mob is never satisfied. So I, I, I this was bound to happen regardless. Like the more you give them like even now, they're getting anything and they have no they have no repercussions of breaking agreements and leaving one school after getting the bag and then going somewhere else and getting another bag. 
in other words, you still have people out there going on national TV shows like Paul Feinbaum and others going, well, I'm still not satisfied. I think they, I think they should get more TV money, and I think they should be salaried employees. And I think, and I think, I think, I think, no matter what you do, no matter what the NCAA would do, if they were smarter, they would have done a lot more. But even so, the mob just keeps coming. The mob, the Jalen Roses of the world are still going to try to continue to convince you that these kids are enslaved and use terminology like that and get no pushback from people who don't want to enter that discussion, even though they know he's wrong and sounds like an imbecile. So I, I think we were headed this way, even if the NCAA did smarter things, they were not going to just stop at getting true name image likeness. Their, sure. their idea is the squeaky wheel gets oiled, and we got momentum now, so now we're really going to push them up against the wall and shake them down for more. I, I agree. I, no, I'm with you. There's a faction that will do that. But what, what, because of the way the NCAA handled it to begin with, they don't have any allies at all. No, not like in, in politics, no. right, in, in the decision makers. And, that, and now the universities themselves are revolting. That Tennessee thing was a middle finger. I've never seen a I've never seen Huge. a school shoot a middle finger like that to the NCAA uh, in my life. And, and with and my what, guess, within twenty four hours of the, I mean they they already oh, yeah. they were ready they had the the missiles pointed and the yeah, lawyers ready to, ready to go. Like it was like okay, if you do this, it, it's going to take us less than twenty four hours to give you a whole bunch of paperwork and. Uh, legal threats that you're not going to be prepared to handle, and we already know you're getting dunked on every time it goes to court. So, again, to go back to the original point, I think the NCAA is going to be a non-factor in SEC and, and uh, Big Ten athletics moving forward. I, I want to I make sure that we bring this part into the conversation, too. I, I personally do not – like, I think that people are going to see this announcement today, and they're going to – they're going to think that it's directly tied to what you just mentioned, Mike, the Tennessee situation. Mm -hmm. it, clearly, they're linked because there are issues that people aren't happy with. I, I personally do not think that it's directly tied to this because this is something that the Big Ten and the SEC have would have to be buttoned up on before they go out and release anything about it. They've been working on this. I just Absolutely. think timing yeah. over... Yeah, overlays yeah, yeah. no like um, i said this is like but, a a last straw type of thing but this has been in the works for a while because it wasn't just the tennessee uh ncaa situation you know you've you've got other things oh, yeah. going Clear. on before florida was before that you've had other schools before that like it, it it's moreover than that it's well, just hold, the and, and hold on just a second i want to before you answer that because i want you yeah. to i, I want to say this so you can answer it with this too if texas and oklahoma and if the Big Ten and their expansion partners from the West Coast had not entered the league, do you think we would still have this combo advisory group being formed? Or do you think now that because you've got the powers from the, from the left coast and Texas and Oklahoma, big dogs in college athletics, do you think that is what made these two conferences go, okay, look, we almost like you know you know the term too big to fail like mm -hmm. we almost feel collectively now that we literally have every major power in college athletics with the exception of pretty much Notre Dame but every major power in college athletics is within our two leagues let's attack it now if if there wasn't the expansion do you think they'd be doing the same thing right now i think i think this was still inevitable particularly from the sec standpoint cuz even without texas okay. oklahoma that's still a pretty damn powerful league and and 
Greg Sankey's a pretty powerful guy who is not going to be pushed around and is not going to watch his sport of college football. I say his sport, the sport that he's very much involved in. I mean, he's almost the de facto commissioner when you think about it. He's not going to sit there and watch that be be made a fool of. With the, NCAA, with, with the NCAA, what the NCAA kind of did was they're like, okay, fine, you're you're really tired of us intervening. Here, here's your here's your ball. There's the playground. You figure it out. And that's mm-hmm. really once they got dunked on nine zero in that decision. Uh, when, was that a year ago or so? That that was the NCAA going. Okay, a we can't win in court. We never had subpoena power. We not. And B, we're tired of being vilified for trying to keep and, – and I mean, I truly believe there are people in the NCAA, their goals are to keep it a level playing field and not have cheat because everybody tries to cheat in college athletics, always has since the start of time. And if, you, if anybody's ever, like, run a fantasy league, you know this. Like, there's always going to be somebody who tries to cheat. You've got to come up with different damn rules and stipulations because there's always somebody looking for an edge. Well, you can multiply that by a billion when it comes to big-time college athletics. So there was a, there was a purpose for the NCAA. But the point is, is that they, they couldn't have handled that purpose any more poorly over a span of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is. And they just got worse and worse and worse. So their final double bird was to say, okay, yeah, we just got dunked on. Yeah, um, we can't stop these lawsuits from NIL and the portal happening. But guess what we're going to do? We're going to let you figure it out. Now, if something's egregious, which apparently Tennessee guys was, then yes, they'll intervene. But for the most part, there's no guidelines, there's no structures, there's no guardrails. It's just a complete wild, wild west. It's driving coaches crazy. They're all wanting to like get out of the profession if they can find another landing spot or get to another level like the NFL, like you saw with Halfley, like you're going to see with others, because it's just it's complete madness. And again, as I've said all along, I don't know any coaches that I've spoken to that are against players getting compensated. And we haven't been against compensation, whether it's this show or J.C. and Morgan. The point is you can have the compensation and still have some structure to it, and right now you don't have any of it, and it's it's messy, and it doesn't need to be messy. There's nothing like this in American sport. And, 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 and as you just pointed out just a few minutes ago, like people continue to push for more and more and more. Like nobody is saying that they can't have the things that people feel like they deserve to have. They have all of this without any guidelines, without any structure. And that is not how the way things work. It just isn't. And so I agree with you. I, I will be interested to see because the release says presidents, chancellors, which are the same thing, uh, and athletics directors. And you just mentioned the word coach a minute ago, Jeff Halfley. I think some people today, I saw Danny Cannell tweet about Liam Cohen. Oh, here comes another one. Well, Liam Cohen went to the NFL last year, too. So, like, I'm not really sure if Liam Cohen just wants to be an NFL OC or if he really doesn't want to recruit or whatever. But but to your point, there are coaches who are departing college football uh, and uh, taking on other roles and probably – I don't – no, 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 no. I don't want to say that because I don't know that. But maybe they wouldn't be if there was, as you just pointed out, structure. So I really, really do hope that the athletics directors and the presidents that are involved in this, and I would imagine with Greg Sankey, he's such a communicator, so I would imagine that this is the case, that they are weighing incredibly heavily the voices of the coaches of all of the sports, right? 
like not just football. Like this is everybody gets everybody thinks that everything's a football conversation, Mike. It's not. It's a it is a I mean, I get football's the face, but all of it, all of it matters. And all, all of it matters, are, but football and men's basketball well, are they drive it. Center. I, yeah. I get that, but like there's a lot of so because what, what I'm getting at here is there's going to be a lot of people that come out and go, okay, I get it. Football stirs the drink, and this is the most important thing in the whole nine yards. Um, but I'm a baseball coach with 11.7 scholarships. You think maybe we can work some of that into some of these renegotiations? How's that sound? You know, you're going to be getting $100 million a year from TV. What can we do to – if we're going to start fixing problems, let's start fixing some problems around here. Let's do it all collectively together. Right. So I'm, I'm really anxious to see how these conversations turn out. Ah, it's going to have a negative impact. If there's some sort of consolidation and, and, and break off, it's going to have a negative impact on, I think, college basketball postseason especially. Because uh, you know, it's, unless they can come to some sort of deal where March Madness remains, because if you break everything all of athletics off, like because I think one thing the SEC does want is more baseball scholarships. Greg Sankey's actually mentioned that. Oh yeah, the whole country but, but, wants. So, so if you're if you're going to take more baseball scholarships, and then you know how does how do you have March Madness? Because I guarantee you, the athletic director of Bucknell right now, who's got absolutely a lot of, a lot of sway in the Northeast Conference, is like hell no. You yep. know we can't we can't even think well, to compete. And so, JC, uh, take, take that one step further. Take that one step further. Take it to the women's side. Women's ba- largely women's basketball, right? Every one of them, yes, even including your South Carolina Gamecocks, operate in the negative. They don't make any money, okay? Right? They don't make any money. So when they have March Madness and you have Portland State and South Dakota Northeastern State and all these, you know, like – you, you're right, JC. You're you're 100% right about that. These are things that people don't – that's why I mentioned the baseball scholarship. Everybody gets caught in the limelight. They get caught in the head. Football, 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 football. And they forget that all these other things exist and there are laws in which they exist called Title IX and things like that that you can't no. just wipe off the map because they're, you're going to get sued for that. So there is – I don't know what the reckoning is going to be, and I agree with you, Jason. I don't know what that answer is. It's a mess, <laughs> but it's it is a colossal mess. So because I, you have to have leadership, but you're also going to have to have people on the other end that are willing to work with we, you, right, guys? Yeah, Mike. Would you not agree? The mid majors are what makes March Madness. I mean, that, that really no, no nobody nobody wants to see like this comment right here. Like day, that is such a crock of shit. It really is day Five because months. like. The other sports just have to deal with what comes. No, they don't. They don't just have to deal with what comes. That's that's a that's a crock of crap. If you have a if you have a female tennis player who's planning to go to college, and all of a sudden they can't give her a scholarship anymore because they wipe Title Nine off the board, and they say, "Well, tennis doesn't matter. All that matters is that these football players become millionaires with NIL." That's just a boatload of BS. Like that's not what all. There's a lot to consider with all this. So it's narrow-minded thinking that people can't get out of their own freaking way from. It's crazy. I think I think I think one thing that Title Nine misses the boat on, and it, it, it the, the the other the the Title Nine, for lack of a better term, Gestapo has used through the years. Football is its own thing. Like okay, football is a fundraiser, primarily. Football has there's no comparable female sport to football. And you have all these athletic departments adding stuff like beach volleyball. Now, I thank God every day South Carolina has a beach volleyball program. I I, I enjoy that sport. 
Um, you know, but you're trying to add all, and you're cutting men's sports. Baseball has 11.7 scholarships. Uh, men's soccer is it doesn't even exist at most SEC schools. Uh, lacrosse is, is 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 on the men's side is not ever going to come. I mean, you know, and so football eats up, and, and and nobody wants to use the common sense and say. Yes, football is a sport, and they get a scholarship and all that. But it's 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 its, it's own thing. You again, I get back. To, yeah. I, I, again, I get back to Chip Kelly, who probably had the smartest idea of anybody. Break football off into its own thing. Classify it. As, you want to have, have them work for you. Make them like make the football program affiliated with your university, and the university provides. Uh, benefits for these guys like scholarships and class and stuff like that. And, but the football teams are, are organized under a different umbrella. It's a different entity with different rules. And I don't and, think that's out of the realm of possibility, Jason. And, and, and it's, it's primary function. It serves, <laughs> it serves like a booster. It's a booster club basically. And, and then the football program is your, your fundraiser and funnels money back to everything else. Then with men's basketball, you just, just, it's the same product it's always been. Maybe with the conferences, you don't. Maybe they come off some of this bi-coastal stuff. But you know, men's basketball as a product is is fine, and it's and it's one hundred percent because of the postseason, which the NCAA has done a good job with. You know, and, and maybe the give and take there with with that, like okay, we're going to continue to work with you, NCAA on men's basketball, your cash cow, but we want for for major college baseball, we want more scholarships. And and if football is off the table and not classified not under the umbrella of your athletics department, if it's its own thing, I don't think you have a Title IX argument. And I think you would have the scholarships available to make it a little more even and maybe even add sports and you know, create more opportunity. But nobody listens to me or Chip Kelly. Okay. <laughs> well, they don't, I, what I'm, my whole thing that I'm getting at with all of this is like, if we're going to start solving problems, let's solve problems. Let's solve problems. You know what I mean? Like, Let's quit having the just the conversation of um, the the major issues that are affecting college athletics, primarily just related to football. I know that those are the big issues. Like I get that. I'm not naive. I'm not an idiot. But college athletics have all sorts of strings attached to them, and we all know that. I mean, we all know it. You got all kinds of things that happen or that they are tied to that you can't just go, well, deal with it. You can't do that. You legally can't do it that way. So if they're going to start having the conversations, then they need to have the conversations like JC just pointed out. That's a worthy – Mike, I, I missed, by the way, whether you said they uh, – when he was talking about football breaking off, did you say they, they can't – or that's, that is or isn't out of the realm of possibility? That is not out of the realm of possibility. Okay. I, 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 I could clearly see a scenario <clears> – <throat> where college football is completely under the auspices of a Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti uh, and, the, and the other conference commissioners. And then they say, look, NCAA, here's, here's our offer. Take it or leave it. You are the event planner for every other sport, and you do a terrific job with that. Uh, and you can, you can run it, and we'll go with your formats and everything else. But you do not dictate anything that we do in football. And furthermore, as a regulatory agency, uh, we got that covered as well. So you just do the event planning, and we'll take care of everything soup to nuts on football. And we'll also take care of the rules and regulations with our own self-enforcement agencies, not yours in Indianapolis. I could see that happening. 
Very well Amen, said. Brother Mike. Preach it. Well and I'll There's tell you something lot. else. <laughs> there is a lot, a lot that could eventually tie into this to try to get it fixed. But um, we can't do all that today. We don't have enough time. We will hit a time out. We've got a drive around the SEC coming up. Yeah, ready a, for the Love Chevy drive around the SEC. There you go. And a hoops I got preview a lot of stuff well. on, on that one that we haven't even touched yet because we got oh, all yeah. these other stories that keep popping up. We got I just, uh, Dale Bieberman. We got old Dale. We got what a lot a of stuff. We're handling Andy McDowell. I mean, we're handling a lot of stuff here. Need a bigger boat. <laughs> Gonna need a bigger boat. We got we got Serrano wants to sacrifice a live chicken, right? I mean, we we got a. Uh, I just mixed Bull Durham with Major League. Try doing that. That's, that's a skill. That is a skill. Candlesticks. Uh, are a good gift. We got an hour left in the work week. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up the screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns the corner. Touchdown, number three of the afternoon. 
Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Time to take a drive around the SEC. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. All right, Mikey. You're going to drive us all the way around the SEC in your brand new Silverado? I-26 at Harbison and at LoveChevy.com. Together, let's drive. Let's try that one more time. I think we we stepped on Mr. Announcer. We can't. Brought to you by Love Chevy, the best selection of new Chevys. Right now, no hassle, no ridiculous add-on stickers. I-26 at Harbison and at LoveChevy.com. Together, let's drive. Let's drive, shall we? 
Sounds I love the tagline. The tagline works so well into this segment because that's mm-hmm. what we're going to do. We're going to be driving, guys. We're going to be mm-hmm. driving around the SEC. Uh, free Darius, by the way. Okay. Uh, Maestro, can we get that uh, fine theme background music? Mm-hmm. Kind of get in the spirit of it, get in the flow. We'll start yeah, with yeah. some college basketball, by the Mood, way. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Just kind of just gets me immersed into the segment. Maybe light a candle. All right, let's start with some college hoops, shall we? So we've got the updated uh, standings in the SEC. And lo and behold, tied for second, the South Carolina Gamecocks at 6-2. and two. Alabama at 7-1. and one. Auburn also at 6-2. and two. Tennessee, 5-2. and two. Obviously, Carolina right now would own a tiebreaker there. Ole Miss, 5-3. Two big ones coming up at the Rebs. Kentucky, 5-3. Already won that one. Florida, 5-3. That'll be a big one at the CLA coming up in a couple weeks. Georgia, 4-4. Four four. A&M, LSU, 3-4. Mississippi State, which still has good metrics based on some, some non-conference quality wins. Uh, Chris Jans and company are still in a, in a good spot at 3-5. Arkansas, who I just had, reminded everybody what they could have looked like this year. I mean, I'm sitting there, and by the way, there's a great crowd at Mizzou, even though they're not good, and and Mizzou, they, they don't quit. They played hard, just like they did in Columbia a week ago, and Arkansas smoked them. I mean, that game really wasn't as close as the score would indicate. They were up 20 at the half, and yes, I know about all the rumors with the love triangle. I had a number of people come up to me before the game. Um, have no idea if that's true. I don't even want to know if it's true. I I will tell you this, though, and I texted you guys, remind remind me to talk about what Eric Musselman said, and, of course, nobody reminded me. But I remembered. That's the point. Uh, what Eric Musselman said when we were talking about just the league as a whole, and he said, I'm going to tell you right now, my vote for player of the year, Talon Cooper. That's wow. Eric Musselman. Derek Musselman. Eric Musselman has no ties to Talon Cooper or Carolina basketball. Now, he did watch Talon Cooper uh, as part of the blowout in Fayetteville, but he just started going on and on about that kid. doesn't He doesn't make mistakes. He's a coach on the floor. He's like, that is what an elite point guard looks like. Speaking of which, to give you an idea, the, the quality of point guards in this league, uh, for those that only follow Carolina, this might not mean a whole lot to you. But for the rest of you, this will mean a lot to you. Zion Pullen of Florida, who they got in the portal out of Cal Bakersfield, Cal something or other, a really good player. He's what makes their engine. He's their Talon Cooper. He's Mm -hmm. having an elite year. Zakai Ziegler of Tennessee, you already knew about him from last year. He's having a good year. Juju Murray, transfer for Ole Miss. They're not winning games without Juju Murray, who they got from St. Peter's, who's all about five, eight and a half. Uh, really good player. Uh, uh, the, the UK freshman, uh, Reed Shepard, Wagner, Dillingham, all really good players. Wade Taylor of Texas A&M, good player. Mark Sears, uh, really good player. And even uh, Mignon of Vanderbilt is a good player, although they're obviously not having a good year. I've never seen this many quality point guards in this league. And Talon Cooper doesn't take a back seat to any of them. Uh, Talon Cooper, by the way, Third in the league, averaging 4.2 assists per game. The scoring uh, battle is a great one. Dalton Connect and Mark Sears both averaging 20.1 points per game. 
Connect is, I mean, you guys saw it. Everything I was telling you, was I I exaggerating? Was I exercising hyperbole, or is the kid that good? Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's he's yeah. That kid's going to play for a long time. Yeah, wow. He's, he's going to – did not get a single D1 offer at a high school and then had to go JUCO and then had to go Northern Colorado before he got to Tennessee. Uh, great story there. Three-point percentage, Reed Shepard is shooting 54.2%. That's, That's number one. 54.2 as a freshman. Sean East is second at 46, and Talon Cooper is third in that category at 46%. Gamecocks are averaging 10.5 turnovers per game. That's the third lowest. I really liked your guys' interview with the uh, gentleman up there in the Midwest from 24-7. Isaac Trotter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's really good. And, and he, he hit on a key stat. I mean, they don't turn it over, and they don't allow easy points in transition, mm-hmm. which is which is a staple of Wisconsin basketball, though Wisconsin took it on the chin last night to Nebraska. Uh, so when you uh, look at the schedule that we have coming up for this Saturday. Good slate of games. Arkansas at LSU. Carolina at Georgia. Of course, that's a 1 o'clock tip. Mizzou at Vandy. Florida to A&M, Florida at A&M. Auburn at Ole Miss. Tennessee at Kentucky. Two top 10 teams going at Rupp Arena. Boy, if Cal loses that one after losing the game that he just lost at home against Florida. Oh, there's some folks in Lexington Media going to have a field day. Mississippi State mm. at Alabama. That's the nightcap. Uh, from a basketball standpoint. The D1 baseball poll, Jamie, I know without even listening you went over this, but just to put it in perspective from the SEC, and again, for me, this is the poll of record. Uh, It also is on every game you're going to watch on ESPN and the SEC Network. Florida 2, Arkansas 3, LSU 4, Vandy 6, A&M 8, Tennessee 9. That's six of the top nine teams from your beloved SEC. Uh, Bama 19, I can't help but think of that. How stupid do you have to be? I mean, that coach, he was building something good at a place that never wins in baseball anymore. Bama hadn't Bama hadn't been to Omaha since 99. They hadn't been Dude. relevant forever, and he finally was doing it. And then you're tipping off knucklehead gambler. I just can't believe it. And he was one of the nicest guys I've ever dealt with. Truly a gentleman. Everybody liked him. Yeah, uh, he, he can still get hired. He just not with that what, show. Whoever cost. hires, well, sure he can. They just yeah. said that you can that, that you know they'll hire, you can hire him with the show cause, but he's suspended for the first five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, he'll be he'll be managing the California Penal League. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Gamecocks, of course, twenty five. And if you want to include Texas, because they'll be in this league the following year, they're yeah. at number sixteen in the uh, SEC poll and uh lastly you mentioned it kind of in passing and we got off on a tangent but liam cohen leaving kentucky again for the tampa bay bucks so to give you an idea liam cohen was with the rams goes to kentucky will levis has his best year by far liam cohen is a hot 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 name so he goes back to the nfl then kentucky struggles they didn't have an offensive line they couldn't block the four people on this show and uh, so that clearly the problem was not having Liam Cohen. So they bring Liam Cohen back. Well, guess what? The kid they got from NC State ain't as good as Will Levis, and the offense wasn't that good that year. So I think Cohen looked around and said, you know what? I did about as good as I'm ever going to do three years ago with Levis and Wandale Robinson. I'm going back to the NFL. And that's where he's going. The Tampa Bay Bucks is where Liam Cohen's uh, destination 
will be now. Uh, the Tennessee situation, or the excuse me, the SEC and Big Ten again set to announce that they are setting up an advisory committee. It's expected to look at the entire college sports landscape, the landscape and solutions within it. You know, we already went over what all that may entail, uh, which is a lot. That is a bigger story than that. You know, four sentences might lead you to believe. And that is the Love Chevy drive around the SEC. Well, that was Brought very to you well by done. Love Chevy. Check out the season of love at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer, I twenty six at Harbison, and at LoveChevy.com. Together, let's drive. Let's do that. Yeah, that was that was, that was just just brilliant. We haven't this figured out how to play the music and and the tagline at the same time. We run through this on JC and Morgan, right? Where we there we run bumper ways. music. What's that? But there there are ways. We just are. We we need a little hardware, but we're working on that. Okay, actively. we're working. It's on order. It's we, you guys. <laughs> need I need me to mix it for I, you. I'll, I can mix it. I, I got the capability. I, I can think. do that and as I, well. I just don't know. Yeah, when, well, there's no there's no defined yeah. ends. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like, just. I, I get it. I get it. That's cool. We need we need a, we need once once we build our stu- our million multi million dollar chief sports studios in a couple yes. of years right. we'll, we'll have, have all the buttons we can do anything we want but right now it's i'm still sitting in my dining room we'll build our studio on that uh somewhere you were mike and i was like look at all those buttons yeah, a lot of buttons <laughs> a lot of buttons uh we'll build that studio where they were supposed to have the fire festival we'll just we'll, we'll move, <laughs> move all those kids out and that douchebag that that lied and ripped all those people off we will build a legitimate studio there and we'll invite the listeners to ITG and Chief Sports to come on out, have a pina colada or two, some other umbrella drink, and watch the show live as we do it there Monday through Friday. And uh, you, that's where we'll all live. You'll never see me on a plane to Como again. I can promise you that. We'll just do the that's show a, right there on the right island. Heck <laughs> yeah. Well, we like the Kenny Chesney of sports talk radio. Yep, he's his, his ass is always either he's on tour or on in an island somewhere on a boat. That's on right. social so media. It won't hey be guys. the fire festival. It'll be the ITG festival. By the way, ITG I've been to that island that 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 those documentaries are based on. And if cool? you get on a uh, boat, if you if you ride it for a little bit, there's an island that uh, is owned. Who's the crazy actor? Uh, uh, Coppola is his real name, but. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage. So Nick Cage owns an island there, and um, Johnny Depp owns an island there. So they're like, point out, yeah, that's Cage's island, and that's Depp's island. How was Johnny Depp when you were working with him on Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, he was cool. Weirder than hell, but he was cool. Um, it's a really neat place. Unfortunately, a lot of people that thought, wouldn't it be cool to fork over a couple of grand to say that I was with a bunch of Instagram influencer models and uh, I can get a cheese sandwich and, and live in a hurricane tent. Uh, those people got ripped off and scammed, and sadly there was no retribution, I don't believe. I have to call Jackie Childs for that. Mike, I want to I wanna add a uh, – you mentioned the D1 baseball top 25. And I'm not sure who has or has not pieced this together yet, but this goes to the old saying of um, you're going to lose games in baseball. For the world that falls apart every time South Carolina gets beat and they, they fire everybody and kick Ray right, Tanner the curb right, and hold right. on yours. Yep. Uh, for those that haven't maybe caught up on this yet, you know, you play 56 games in the regular season. 18 of those are against preseason top 10 teams this year. Yeah. 
Right. Not to mention the fact that here's here's your stretch run starting the second weekend of SEC play. Vanderbilt, which is number six in the nation, at Alabama, which is number 19 in the nation, A&M, which is number eight in the nation, at Florida, which is number two in the nation, and then Arkansas, which is number three in the nation. Those are your those are five straight series in the SEC, and they start the SEC on the road at Ole Miss, which isn't in the top twenty five. But uh, I'm sure not going to be the one that just says, "Well, they're just not that good" because it's oh, Ole Miss, no. and you don't just walk into Oxford and right. win games. And that just happens to be a couple of weekends re- removed from playing Clemson. Like, and every SEC team has those stretches because no there doubt. are so many ranked teams. It's not exclusive to South Carolina. But I, I was looking at all the numbers, and I was like. God, I for, I just you don't forget, but you you know you, you fall asleep a little bit because baseball season hadn't been here in a few months, and you come back and you're like, there's nothing like the SEC in baseball. It is it's insane. What, well, what and it's the reason is. why you get a lot of players that you wouldn't get otherwise because you sell that in recruiting, right? All these kids want to play. I mean, there's it's a, there's a kid, Mike. I'm not going to say who it is. I'm not going to say who it is, but he's from Hawaii, and he is. Coming here. Okay. Never seen the campus. Just wants to play South Carolina, wants to play in the right. SEC. Right. And that, yeah, sight unseen. Um, that's the way you sell houses, right, Jamie? Just sight unseen. Yeah. Uh, trust well. me, it, it's in great shape. You, you need to buy this 4-3. Uh, no, it's, look, that that's why you don't get. Don't call under the house, sir. You don't need to do that. <laughs> <Don't pay. laughs> termites, termites, schmermites. Yeah, it's a little Just step on them, bugs. It's standing. It's fine. They're, they're your friends. Uh, look, it's the reason why you get top kids. It's the reason why you get top facilities. Uh, it's, it's the reason why so many of your games are on national television. I realize not as many as people would like based on that schedule that, that came out yesterday. But um, but the flip side is you're going to get humbled. You're gonna, I mean, look at what happened to Ole Miss and Mississippi State the year they won their national titles. Right. All of a sudden, they can't win games. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's how hard this league is. And uh, you, you, it is still even in the day and age of NIL, and I know which schools are spending the most money in NIL. I, I, there's a couple out there that are just—they are wiping the floor with the rest of the the conference. Um, mm. It's—I mean, what Carolina is up against in NIL in baseball. Forget about football and basketball for a moment. In baseball, there are a handful of teams that are like, "Oh, this is our chance." We have been hamstrung by 11.7 for all these years, but now we're not, not with NIL. Uh, So it's it's a challenge. It's a daunting task. South Carolina is going to be this year is better than last year. It's about about uh, about 90 percent dollars spent in that sport. Our goal is to get it to about a half million a year, which we're close. Uh, and I think, I don't, I don't know that anybody, I think LSU is probably spending a little more than that, but Arkansas, Arkansas, but that's, they, well, their, their collective had to go do a restructuring too. So I don't know, but, uh, South, South Carolina's closer in that sport than the other sports in IL wise, just because you do have a portion of the fan base. that's very passionate about it. That will, you know, fund things like the diamond fund, like we had at Carolina rise and that just, just write checks for baseball. 
Uh, and Mark Kingston, to his credit, and his staff been very proactive with it. So, um, yeah. but you're right, Mike. Like last offseason, there were guys, uh, uh, baseball kids in the portal, they were interested in that they just, the starting price was just, they just couldn't recruit them. Yeah. You know, yeah they didn't even insane. talk to him because it was already crazy. But uh, I say you know, this I, not to, to disrespect LSU, but they don't win a national title with that NIL last year. Sure. No, they don't. No, no, they, they poached Tom, Tommy. What's his name? Tommy Guns, Tommy, 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 and then they had this. But he, yeah, I was about to say, schemes is the yeah, yeah, Jeez. That, 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 they got uh, one of the best hitters I've seen in in, in the SEC in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. help me out, top top five pick, Dylan Cruz. Oh, you're oh. Talking about Dylan. I thought you were talking about this year. No, now Dylan Cruz was not an NIL find. That was just good, solid recruiting. And look, LSU does have seven national titles they can sell recruits. LSU yeah. was was given a crap about baseball long before anybody else was. So they yeah. still reap the benefits of that. And, and the, the crazy thing I found, too, is like so you have some fans that look at like, you know, oh, well, these football players are driving around in Maseratis and, and why should I support NIL for them? And, you know, and it gets into this whole back and forth. In baseball, I've found fans are much more willing to fork over because you're not really, you're not funding these guys to have a, a luxury apartment or anything. You're funding their schooling. A lot of these guys go in it's because of the scholarship limit. There's very, there, there's not hardly any people on full scholarship. Right. Uh, and then most of them, a lot of Gavin Casas, like for example, was a walk on Now we don't on the baseball roster, you know, schools don't determine walk on or not walk on. Right, like you do maybe in football or, or even in basketball, but um, you know a lot of the best players were walk-ons, and, and so that that nil money really is, if you're kind of looking at it from a humanitarian standpoint, a blessing for a lot of these guys uh, that sit there and and at this school at least get cussed out and and, and booed and and, and mm-hmm. complained about kind of kind of goes that that point I was trying to make a little yeah. while ago, right. Yeah, I mean, just just like just like the scholarship guys. I mean, these these are kids that are literally paying money to have the yeah. right to put on the garnet and black and play for this great program, uh, right. and, and we don't think about it. So uh, I'm I'm kind of passionate about baseball nil, probably above the other sports, just because, dang it, these kids need it because yeah. they they, yep. they got to get you know it's either coming out of their pocket or their parents. So you know, yeah, or uh, it's coming out of your pocket for the next thirty years to pay it back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it, how, well, how you many were talking about games, How many how many midweek games are against top ten teams? That is what fans complain about. You lose you you'll lose midweek games. Ky Gamecock. It's baseball. I mean, LSU got beat by Nickel State last year. Vanderbilt oh, got yeah. beat last year by Central yeah. Arkansas. No, I mean, this dude, is one of my if you favorites. don't understand the game of baseball, then I, I'm sorry. You're going to find something else to do during the No, I mean, even like the 2000 team, insane. I remember the loss to Elon, and people were like, yeah. that was the only non con loss. But what, what, how do we lose? Like, it's it, it is, it, it, like people, because they went undefeated in the midweeks the year they won the national championship, they think that's how it works every year. That's, that's not, not how it works. Look at LSU's midweek losses over the years. Yes. And they and that fan base complains all the time. Every time they lose a game to like Northwestern State or yeah. some other small, they got beat by Nickel State last year. Happens all the time. It doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Like every game matters. But if you're going to get all bent out of shape losing a Tuesday night game with your number seven starter, 
You're, yeah. you're putting undue stress on your life that you just don't need. Because at the end of the day, much like I talk about in basketball, how you're going to judge this baseball season, it's very simple. It's just like how we judge basketball. A, get to the big dance. Now, I realize the bar is set in baseball around Carolina where that should be the bare minimum. And then B, how do you do in the postseason? And for a lot of fans there, the bare minimum would be a super regional. If your bare minimum is Omaha every year, again, I don't care what fan base you are, you're just going to be devastated because nobody does that. Uh, but this program certainly wants to have another run in June. And, you know, they have flirted with it. They've been one win away or two wins away multiple times, but it hadn't happened since 2012. I get it. Once you t- get a taste of that life, you feel like it's not going to go away, but it can. I mentioned Alabama went to three Omahas in four years. They haven't been back since 99. They got good players in Alabama. They love baseball in Alabama. They built a new baseball stadium in Alabama. They got an AD that spends money in Alabama. It's not a guarantee. It's not your birthright to get an Omaha every year. And if that's your expectation, you're just going to be disappointed. But I do think this is a postseason team that has a very good chance of finding a path to Omaha. I think, yeah, I think the key is to get a home super regional. I mean, the injuries and the struggles in the middle uh, had them just outside. What were they, the, the 15th seed or whatever? Um, and then the, they weren't matched up against a team that was going to get upset. The team went all the way to the championship series. So uh, I think that's the key this year. And I, I think they're capable of doing it. I'm a, probably a little bit more bullish on the pitching than some. Uh, I know Whittle's concerned about like the defense, the, the, uh, the defensive ability of this group. But they're going to be able to, to hit it all over the place. And um, – People don't realize too, man. Before Tanner broke through in '02, it was 17 years between trips to Omaha. Oh, I know that it was in my call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. first I mean, time in uh, 17 years. And, and and the fun thing is, these things do tend to happen in waves around here. So you probably expect once you go to one, then two more are going to follow because they went three, and then there's a six-year drought, and then they went three straight and had uh, probably a, a, a streak in the postseason that will never be never be broken with 22 straight NCAA tournament. Not wins. in our lifetime. That's, I don't think so. That was, that was sick. That's, <laughs> that was sick. Uh, not, in our, not in our lifetime. It's too difficult. It's the most difficult sport to win that many consecutive games. And mm. it, it's, it's, it goes without, without question. I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. And, well, and JC brings, up a, brings up a great point that it, it, it even for the, the heavyweights in, in the sport, it, it is cyclical. Like there, there's so what made 2011 so dominating, and I'm sure Stuart Lake would agree with this, is that you had so many guys from the 2010 team and that DNA, yeah. uh, you, you weren't going to get rattled by anything. You put price on the mound. You think he was going to be in awe of his surroundings. Ooh, they're booing yeah, me. Yeah. Like I give a crap. Uh, the, w- once you get, that's why we just I knew Holbrook about this yesterday. I mean, I, Obviously, I know all those guys. It was a very arrogant group of dudes. Well, so it was 2002, yeah, 03, 04. When you and I go- talk about that all the time, they walked on the field. They're like, you're not going to beat us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have a producer at ESPN who was a Clemson catcher at every time we worked together. We don't work together much anymore. He's more on the softball uh, side. But he was in Omaha in 02. And he was like, Mike, that was the cockiest bunch of mother boop, 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 boop. Gantz would talk this, and this, and even Meyer was kind of smug, and this, and that. And I'm like, yeah, but they were good. 
and yeah. whooped your they whooped your ass right. twice. Beat He's you. like yeah. the, the best team Clemson's ever had too. That Clemson well, team was unbelievably it was good. loaded. It was it was that loaded. Leo Green that's been okay. a case around here forever. I mean, like you know, these got this when you put that uniform on at South Carolina, there's a certain pride that comes with it, Mike. You you obviously know that sure and but there's there's a there is a there's a confidence that sometimes will come out as arrogance or cockiness. And you have to play that way because when you play South Carolina, the target's on your back. It doesn't matter if you're having a bad year or not. You're still South yeah, Carolina game. But, but to be honest, Jamie, that, that target's on backs of most programs in the, in the SEC. I think yeah, sometimes yeah, – yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know but you know that. Like I, LSU, I, LSU acts the same way. Arkansas guys – Arkansas, the same way. Ole Miss, Mississippi way. State, like, yeah. Florida. Like I think sometimes the, the impression from some fans is, well, yeah, but, but we got that it factor that – I'm telling you, I, I see all these other programs have the it factor. Other programs Most, are all in on baseball. Other programs have tradition and money and a recruiting yeah. base, some of which are recruiting bases better than the state of South Carolina. Like you're going up against a lot. If you want to dominate a conference every year, join the ACC, join the Big 12, join the PAC. But in the SEC, it's really friggin' hard. And my, yeah. my original point was what made 2011 so dominating is that you had so much left over from 2010. I knew when that team went to the championship game in 02, and I wish it was best two out of three because it could have been another trophy, uh, that 03 and 04 were going to be real good because a lot of those players from 02 were on 03. A lot of the players from 03 were on 04. Here's my prediction. The next time Carolina does go to Omaha, they'll go the following year because you're going to have some residue from guys that are on that Omaha team that are back for another year, which makes it so much easier the problem has been, I say the, pro, the word problem in quotation marks, when you don't have any of those guys, like you've, you've, you've had high draft picks, you've had, but none of them have been to Omaha, right? There hasn't been a Carolina roster that's had an Omaha player on it in a while. That makes that challenge a lot more difficult. So, But you watch, the, the, when they break through, let's say it's 2023, my money's on, they'll be back in 2024. Well, it's already 2024, Mike. Oh shit! When they <laughs> thank you, thank you very hey, much. No, no, I've been doing the 2023. I'm still. I wrote I, a check the other day, and it still said 2023 on it. I put it up on the screen on our uh, on our thumbnail for our, our our show 2023. I'm like an idiot, but no, yeah, it happens. And you're right. You know, in, in winning and that confidence to get there and to work your way through the tournament that 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 that's invaluable experience. I, I think this program, well, the thing about it, it is a true blue blood program in college baseball there. This program's accomplished things. Other programs have not, mm -hmm. you know, like the 22 game win streak. And they've been to Omaha enough to consider themselves uh, a team that has, you know, not, not the most Omaha trips, but, but, uh, you know, double digits. They're up there. They've played for the national championship six times, one, two of them. Right. Um, in basketball, if you went to the the Monday night game six times over fifty years, you'd be a pretty good program, I would mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Um, and and it's had its you know, uh, for the last decade, it's had this. This has been kind of a lull period. It has not sunk to the level it was in the nineties, uh, before Tanner came when they had at the end of the June Reigns era, where it's a rebuild. Uh, I think they got a lot of good players, and I think last year went a long way for Mark Kingston because. It wasn't one of those teams that just kind of snuck into the regional. Um, yes, they had a little dip in the middle, mainly because they were missing half their lineup. Uh, and and for most of the year, they were considered one of the better teams in the country. And I think that went a long way with this era in terms of confidently getting behind 
Kingston and his coaching staff and these players. And there are a lot of familiar faces uh, on this baseball team from last year. So that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. I think uh, because I think last year did not end the way they wanted it to end. And you got a lot of tough dudes like Ethan Petrie and Cole Messina. Uh, a lot of guys that have come in, you know, Talbot, Lee Croy, like uh, Stuart talked about earlier. Uh, like I said, I like the pitching staff. It's not probably not on paper elite like it was last season, but keep in mind, two of the three starters at the beginning of the year weren't the starters at the end, you know, last season. So, uh, I've, I've got a lot of confidence, but I, I understand all parts of it in terms of, you know, what it means to be in the Gamecock program and, and kind of how that with any blue blood program, that confidence is out there. But you're absolutely right, Mike, about the SEC and the money that they've invested uh, in this. I mean, you, you've got schools that care a lot, uh, like Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Uh, and then you got Vanderbilt. schools like Vanderbilt cares a whole lot. But then, then you got schools like Florida who just pour money into it. <laughs> and, and they Florida baseball should be good every year. They're in Florida. Well, God let me, let me, let me, uh, let me piggyback on you real quick. Here are the schools that care about baseball in the SEC. All 14 of them, and then two more are coming next year. Kentucky's, <laughs> two more got, coming. A new, Kentucky's got a new ballpark. Tennessee's got a new ballpark. Uh, we we know what's happened in, in Starkville. A&M, Bluebell is a fairly new ballpark. Alabama's poured money into their new ballpark. Auburn is once again about to renovate theirs. LSU's already done it. Arkansas is one of the diamonds of the country. Um, Miss, um, South Carolina, of course, and they're they're planning to do some stuff down the road. Uh, to Founders Park. Uh, Missouri needs some work, as we all well know. That's probably the one black eye in the league. Mike, you probably bet yeah. me up on that. I'm uh, a little bit 100%. surprised that Georgia hasn't done more to Foley Field, but the plans it's, are in the works for do that there as well. And then you got Texas and Oklahoma coming in. They all dump money into baseball now in the SEC. Their they, administration they, at Georgia is not baseball friendly. They, they don't they don't give in state tuition. I mean, Vanderbilt last year just announced a thirty five million dollar deal with their new ball with renovating their entire ballpark. Yeah. It's gonna be magnificent. Bro, yeah, they're all in on base the base of the whistler. You know, they're all in up there. They they've had the advantage of being a private school, and I won't bore people with that story, but I can't tell you how many coaches have come up to me before a broadcast said, would you guys mention the fact that they have a unique advantage in recruiting and the way that I'm like, I can't get into all that, but thank you. So I, I know, I know what's helped. And not, first of all, Tim Corbin's a hall of fame coach, but I know what's helped them get some elite players that have turned down seven figures from the draft yep. to play at Vanderbilt when they have no ties to the city, the state, the program or anything else. But NIL levels that playing field. Cause now essentially everybody can recruit players above and beyond the 11.7 which by the way jamie you mentioned title nine title nine is not a friend of college baseball no um not at all uh but when you look at that now anybody who wants to to jc's point like if 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 you want to be a big player in nil you can you can do it Uh, the avenue is there to make sure not only your players fully funded but a, a whole lot of bucks on top of that and some of these programs uh, are willing to do it. I've said this too. Here's an advantage of Carolina over a lot of other programs from a, a fan standpoint. When I go to a SEC town during baseball season, and I turn on the local sports station, or I listen to the equivalent of what we have here, NITG, part of the burgeoning Chief Sports Network, they're not talking college baseball. Even the good ones, they just fans are just like, yeah, let me know when football's here. Um, 
they they can't tell you who the rotation is. They don't sit there and eat, sleep, and and breathe every every game, midweek conference game. I've I've talked to uh, radio hosts in some of those markets. Like Mike, I just can't get people to talk about baseball here, and we're the freaking seventh ranked team in the country. Like, yeah, I can't understand that because I worked for several years in South Carolina, and it dominated the airwaves because people were all in. Um, that wasn't always like that in Columbia before Ray Tanner. Uh, I can. Pr- there was not. There was a lot of empty seats at the Sarge, and there were not a whole lot of people calling up shows to talk about Gamecock baseball. But post Tanner, even if people that don't know anything about baseball, which I know <laughs> Jamie loves, <laughs> Jamie loves those. Uh, they, all of a sudden, they're like all in, and they oh, want they yeah. want answers for every loss, and they want. Uh, but I'd rather have yeah. that. At least that means you give a crap than the apathy that you see even in SEC towns Green. when it comes to college baseball. I agree 100%. I know. So I, I, I just smile and nod sometimes because I know like, you do. I always, I, don't I can, you know what I know, but okay. I see man. your heat meter. Like you're, <laughs> to, to quote Samuel Jackson, Pulp Fiction, you're, you're in the red. You are, you're a mushroom cloud, son of a mum, beep, beep, beep. Yeah, I have yeah. to edit that because it's Pulp Fiction. It's Tarantino. But yeah. And by the way, for the fan yeah. that asked, am I a Wall Street fan? Good pickup. The line on my screen is Blue Horseshoe loves Andicott Steel. That is a, Wall Street uh, quotable, and yes, I think it's an awesome top fifty of all time movies. Back when Oliver Stone was coming up with great ideas instead of just being weird and crazy. Great, but movie. I digress. All right, uh, we have got to slide to our final timeout of the work week. Thank the good Lord, Pete. When we return, Gamecocks dogs tomorrow in Athens. Plus, what else is going on in the SEC and? What's the funk that the Wildcats are in? Maybe Mike Morgan can provide a little bit of an answer. Don't go anywhere. Inside the Gamecocks will be right back. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cole Joel here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, 
you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida, and you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox! On deep drive to left, Morgan looks up, and it is gone! Go two is sent to center, and this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from Casas, and it's gone! 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Langford looks up and it's gone. Yeah, only two weeks away, we will begin our march through South Carolina's coaching staff next week as well. Uh, all of the Gamecocks baseball coaches will be joining us on the air leading up to game day, which is opening day, Friday, February the 16th. Cannot wait, Mike Morgan. That's going to be awesome. Uh, and couldn't think of a better person to coordinate all of that than uh, yourself and and your love, your passion, your knowledge. Uh, of Gamecock baseball, and uh, much like the coverage of the other two major sports are done on this show, um, you can expect more elite coverage in the sport of baseball as well on this program by uh, some guys that that know it, love it, and uh, and cover it, not just as a as a hobby. Uh, <clears throat> do want to thank uh, some of our uh, sponsors that uh, sometimes we get pushed back a little bit on, but of course the Power Hour presented by our friends Gary Patterson for all your insurance needs. State Farm agent Gary Patterson over there in uh, the Midlands, uh, Lou Golf and Columbia and Lexington and everywhere around there. Gary's your guy. He's been my guy for a long, long time. Check out GaryPatterson.net. He will take terrific care of you. And of course, Ryan Brewer Fence, unmatched quality. Each of their installs completed on time or before the deadline. If you've ever had to go through that stuff, then you know how important that is. And yes, uh, with over 15 years of experience, the quality, not just fast, but done right when it comes to uh, the installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Also, a um, somebody that I've had the fortune to do business with. And somebody asked the other day about uh, D's wings. Do they still have the steam pots? They do. That's not what Stu Lake and I had. We had the wings, and as you saw, the photographic evidence of hot sauce spilled all over my pants. Uh, had a rough week. But uh, nevertheless, they've got wet naps. If you do spill something or a thing just happens to pop off the lid and saw spraying everywhere, steam pots are still there at D's. They're going to have some D, uh, some steam spot specials, and they're going to bring back the crab leg specials 
as Ooh. well at D's. So if you haven't been to the new D's off of Meeting Street in Columbia, and yes, we will have gift cards to give away to D's on this very show. He said, he, Billy came up to me and said, I got a surprise for you, and there's an envelope with gift cards. So I haven't figured out how we're going to give those away. We've already got uh, the Fiesta Pack at Salsaritas that we'll give away on another Fab Five next week. But um, we're just now, now we're not only showing our love and appreciation verbally, now we're just showering our audience with free food. I love it. I, I look forward to uh, being up there for uh, opening weekend here in, two, week- in uh, two weeks. And we'll be spending a little bit of time at D's Wings. So yeah, let them know one. that I'm coming. Because, I will uh, let them know. Bring an extra Friday. bib. Jamie Bradford's in town. Just Friday after the game, I'll, I'll, I was going to see maybe, you know. I'm just so happy that I'm on a show with Mike Morgan and Jamie Bradford and my friend Phil. And one of our sponsors is D's Wings, my absolute favorite. In that right, in that harmony, that is utopia. I love Chevrolet, great Brian Brewer fence. Uh, Great brands. Great brand Uh, names. Nana's Porch, Billy J. Even even our 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 OG (laughs) advertisers, man. It's like a dream come true. Can I say something about the Nana's Porch spots? I have gotten to the point now that impersonation is so good. I no longer think it's an impersonation. I think when I hear Coach O now, I think he's impersonating J.C. Sherbert. But the, the, the real sounding Coach O is J.C. And Coach O is just trying to do an impersonation of the impersonation of J.C. doing Coach O. That, I'm, I'm, I have now come to that realization. You are Coach O. He's just a pretender. I appreciate that, Mike. That's a very nice of you to say. <laughs> oh, boy. It really, uh, it really is. I, it's too good. And you don't I, break character the whole spot, oh, the whole right. damn commercial. It's I'm like, I cut I cut that one and uh, Liam Neeson thing. And then I had another one that I just I didn't feel good about. But I, I got up one morning and decided to be creative. The horror, don't we? I mean, you know. oh, the, the horror when it was like, yeah, I. I like from Apocalypse Now, when Bart Brando goes, the horror, the horror. It was a, it was like a Disney, uh, a Disney travel agency, and it was like it opened with a little girl's voice going, "Dad, please take me to Disney World." And then with the horror, the horror. And then I was like, "Oh, calm down. Here's a, here's where you go to get your." I don't know. I have a no, lot you, of fun you nailed it. it. You nailed it. that's an that's a what do they give? Was it Clio's for the best commercial? Is that yeah, the award? Yeah, I, I may get a Clio. You got to get a Clio for that. It's but anyway. We need to talk about this basketball game. Let's Mike, do it. Come on, break it just up. Let's like go. Let's first, go. Just like the first time Georgia played Carolina, I'm a little nervous about this one as well. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Georgia is a good young. They're ba- good basketball team. They're just young. Give them a year. They'll be an NCAA tournament team. Well, they might be an NCAA be this team year. this yeah. year. I mean, they've got plenty of opportunities, as every other team in the league does, uh, essentially to get there, with the exception of Missouri and and Vanderbilt right now that are combined to zero and fifteen. But um, they'll they'll tip it off tomorrow, guys, at uh, one o'clock in Athens. Uh, Derek and Casey, of course, will be calling it on the Gamecock Sports Network. You can watch it. Uh, on the SEC network and listen to uh, oh, that's, Courtney, uh, Courtney Lyle, Courtney and, Carolyn Lyle Peck, and Carolyn Peck if you'd like to uh, do that. But um, you can also listen to Derek and Casey. Yeah, give, give me the app. Always recommend. Can, what's the same uh, app again? Gamecocks coming in. Um, I'll, I'll get it here in just a second. Okay. Gamecocks coming in, of course, at 6-2. and two, And they're a game <laughs> back of the Tide uh, right behind 
Alabama, first place in the SEC. But here come the dogs at four and four, and 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 they're hungry because they're losers of two straight, three of four, and both of these last two have been games that they felt like they should have won on the road. Uh, in the swamp where they came all the way back, went into overtime and got beat by the Gators, 102 to 98. And then this last week, or this last ball game earlier in the week, leading Alabama, 85 to 76, the final, but 41 to 27 was the score at halftime. The Tide put 58 on the board in the second half uh, to to go in there and get them. So Georgia beats Carolina once earlier in the season already, and they're looking to do it again. This would be a big win for them. Um, Mike, uh, to to be able to start to make a little bit of a case for for the postseason if they can. South Carolina, of course, has won four straight, and they sure would love to get another road win. This would be a quad two opportunity and keep building their case currently right now with 60 by Joe Lenardi. Well, you said it all. Um, It's a a dangerous game for sure, Uh, and I don't think I even have to say that considering Georgia won the first one, right? If, if Carolina won the first one, I, I, I would say the same thing, and some people might roll their eyes like, come on, man, we just beat Tennessee and Kentucky. Of course we're going to beat Georgia at Stegman. It's a difficult game. Um, as you mentioned, Georgia had Florida on the ropes on the road, lost in overtime. Georgia was up like 17 against Alabama. Alabama has what I like to call spurtability. Uh, as much as anybody in the league, and when they start draining threes on you, it can be a knockout blow, and that's what they gave the Bulldogs. But right now, we were talking about this on the broadcast on uh, Wednesday, and Fish asked me from studio, how many do you think are in? I think eight are comfortably in, and then I think Florida's win at Kentucky gives them their first signature win, their quad one win, so they might be nine um, I have to check. I just got the latest Lenardi, and I'll check it in a second. But Georgia is still in this thing, so Georgia. Absolutely. So, yeah. but but they have to win games like this to get in it. So my point is, you are going to see the very best that Georgia has to offer. They had they now have crowds at Stegman. There was a time where that was a depressing place to call a game. It is no longer. Um, they love their 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 coach and Mike White. Uh, they love their roster, Thomason, Demari, or excuse me, Demery, Abdurrahim, the veteran. Like they've got dangerous players, they've got size. Uh, they're just a little young, and at times that youth shows in the down the stretch of games, and that's the beauty of Carolina. Carolina plays some of its best basketball in the final five minutes of games, mm-hmm. and some of the other teams lose them in the final five minutes. So I think it's going to be a great game. Should be a fun one to watch. I agree with you. I I, th- I think it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, uh, but but I, if we've learned anything here, if anything has been proven in the last couple of weeks with this Carolina basketball team, is that number one that defense travels. Uh, it it seems to stick around for forty minutes, Mike, and um, and and it just feels like they have kind of got figured out their actual identity, and they're playing within that identity. It's very rare that they run down the floor and they get outside of who they are. It does happen. It happens to every basketball team. But they stay within who they are, and and that seems to um, continue to give them a, a, a chance not only to to you know play well and, and be in ball games and do all those type things, but basically win every game that they play because they've, they've been doing that. Yeah, and what they have – I mean, we all love good big men. I get it. Um but this is still a guards game. And in the final five minutes of games, like Kentucky's got 21 feet of NBA guys in, in that they can rotate. At the end of those games, they don't factor. 
it's a guards game in the final few minutes. It's a guards game in terms of the big three-point shots, the clutch free throws. Uh, teams don't generally say, let's get a paint touch here for the final shot. How often do you actually see that in the game of college basketball? Uh, there's not like a Joel Embiid patrolling the paint. It's a guards game, and Carolina's been in a lot of close games where their guards have made the right plays and have been better than the opposing guards. Yeah. Uh, and so that starts with Talon, who I officially cited my man crush in December. It's only stronger in February. Mm-hmm. I'm on record. Um, it's, it's even if Michi's not hitting shots, he still can help you in other ways. It's the supplementary players now that come off the bench and help in that regard. But, I mean, really, Carolina's guards in the final five minutes of games have been better than the opponent. And I already listed for you just how elite this crop of point guards is in the SEC. Mm-hmm. But I'll go to war with Talon Cooper against any of them. Gamecocks this year have been awfully solid. Of the 325 minutes of SEC basketball they played, they've really had about 30 minutes where it's gotten away from them. Second half at Bama, and then about a 10-minute stretch against Georgia, where Georgia, gosh, I think Carolina was up nine. Georgia went on like a 19-3 to run mm-hmm. in Columbia. That's where they were missing all the foul shots. Other than that, this team's played really solid. So... Yeah, no, and, and, and to that point, by the way, every team in the country has a half like Carolina had in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't care how good you are. You have, I call them mulligans. You can call whatever you want to call them, but you're, you're going to have that mulligan half, and you're going to have multiple, most teams are, uh, where just nothing goes your way. You miss shots, you miss free throws, you don't defend well, and you run into a, a blank storm. Typically on the road, that happens. Uh, but for the most part, this team has been remarkably consistent. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Mike, honestly, they've had – that. I, I personally think that they just got beat at Clemson. Clemson beat them that night. Um, I just – kind of a hat tip type thing. You hate mm-hmm. it, but it happened. Yeah. I, outside of that, throughout the throughout the year, they, they've got they've got two small blemishes. You mentioned it with just one of them. A half at Alabama and – Five free throws against Georgia. Outside of that, you're looking at a team that's that's sitting here at twenty and one and ranked well inside the top ten. Um, so I mean, it's it's that's it. but 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 all these other results have kind of worked themselves out. There's been some things that obviously could have gone the other way too. So it probably has worked itself out the way that it that it should have. But that's how that's how close they've been to being even better. I mean, it's been it's been really masterful and and I'm, and there aren't any signs of like their brand of bat within their brand of basketball that would lead me or for that matter anybody else if anybody's if you've been paying attention to the national guys to to believe that uh that there is some big great drop off or fall off coming up for South Carolina. They might get beat tomorrow. But that doesn't mean that it's just going to totally tank their season. There's too much maturity. There's too many older guys on this team and their style of basketball that they've been playing is uh, is going to continue to afford them an opportunity to win every single game uh, that they're in. And um, I, I'm assuming, was that, what were you just showing us there? Was that, that the thing I, from Lenardi? That's the latest Lenardi, if you want yeah, me to six, read it. Six seed. Actually, they're, they've got a higher seed than Clemson, according they to Lenardi. Right 24 yeah. overall, the last on the six line. Yeah. And he's got Florida in on the 10 line. That would give the SEC yeah. a new record nine teams. Right. In the in yeah. the field, 
Uh, and he and he's got Georgia at eighty six, so this win would go a long ways for them. Yeah, they almost have to have it. Honestly, uh, I'm going to steal JC's line: "Caged animal." This is a caged animal game for Georgia, not higher, but game. Uh, they have to have it if they're going to have any chance at the NCAA tournament. So you'll get uh, their best shot. No question. Oh, that place is going to. Be, I uh, Dame Bradshaw said this yesterday or a couple of days ago. Thought it was an awesome comment. Thought it was an awesome comment. He said, "Can't imagine if it was a normal year, uh, there'd be selling out Stegman Coliseum for a Georgia second round of basketball game." Right, right. You yeah. know, but 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 I mean, look look what these two teams are doing here collectively. I, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal for the league. And well, and it's it, it's so funny too because Mike White uh, followed Billy Donovan. Gator fans were relent- – all that guy did was go to the tournament almost every year and win a game in the tournament every year, and the fans wanted him fired for it. And then there were all kinds of rumors that he'll be lucky if he gets another year, and he did the ultimate Mac move, boss move. So I, I, I got your hot seat. I'll go take another SEC job, and that's what he did. And he has fit in – Georgia has gotten it wrong on so many basketball hires. Sound familiar? Um, yeah. they, they got it right with Mike White. Like that is – Mike will get – the recruiting is already picked up. You should be able to recruit. You got Atlanta for crying out loud, 70 minutes away. Um, but th- they will start being a factor again. They have been ultra irrelevant for a long time in Athens. But Mike White is 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 a very good fit at that program. And, yes, they, they are into – they are even though they might not be a big dance team this year, the fans are coming out at Stegman and they're actually – Involved, there'll be a good crowd on Saturday. Yeah, Mark Fox, I think, was a really good coach for them. I didn't think he could get the recruits, uh, probably because he was kind of an out of region guy. But Mike White's coached in this league, and yeah, really, uh, like I think I, he's already recruiting well to Georgia. So I, I'm, I think that that is a, that was a good fit, probably a better fit than Florida. I think Golden, the guy they got down there now, is probably a little bit more offensive minded basketball and things like right. that. And so they probably the Gator fans probably appreciate uh, that style a little more. So Mike, uh, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead I'm go ahead. just reading a question because uh, it was addressed to me. Is there some proven fact that at the end of a game with like three seconds, it's better to throw the ball to the other end of the court and pray for a catch and shoot than a half court shot. Okay. You're talking about on the offensive end. You don't you don't get to advance it like you do in the NBA. So if you're inbounding it from the baseline, let's just say for three seconds left, to basically oh, do you like, want it, do you want like a Grant Hill to Leitner type of situation or I what a lot of t- what a lot of coaches will do if they still have a timeout in their back pocket, they'll throw it right around mid court, call a quick timeout, and now you can inbound it from the from half court and it set up a much better shot than just having a wing and a prayer. I wish they would actually change the rule i wish we'd have one timeout. you get one that you can save to advance it um i think that would add a little strategy but i'm probably in the minority on that um i i think on that with three seconds left if you can get the ball anywhere close to mid-court that still gives you time a couple of dribbles and a pull-up shot you don't have to like throw it all the way 94 feet to the other goal if, if i'm misinterpreting your question uh, BNBBQ, I apologize, but uh, that's what I would 
That's what I would say is the safer percentage play. Because if you throw it 90 feet, chances are it's like throwing a Hail Mary in football. Someone's going to knock it away or steal it. And most of these kids don't have – it's not like you're dealing with a quarterback. It's just some regular player throwing a baseball pass and hoping it's going to be in the right spot. But I'd, I'd rather throw it with three seconds, give, give my guy a chance to catch it, either call a timeout there near midcourt or catch it, take a dribble, uh, and then fire up a shot. And these kids now have such deep range. Every every shoot around I go to, everyone the team doesn't leave until somebody makes a midcourt shot. They they won't leave, and it usually doesn't take that long. Heck, even the equipment managers, uh, at some point, one of them will hit a, a midcourt shot. So I, you got guys now that can pull up, not like throw it, but actually pull up regular form, rise, release, rotation, splash that can pull up from 35, 40 feet and mm-hmm. do that. And of course, the game that comes to mind is the Jermaine Kusnard, John Sunbold and I called. I was watching him play last night for uh, for Oregon. Guys the Ducks. Ducks. Uh, it's crazy, crazy stuff. Could be a pretty special weekend. Make sure before you get your $5 tickets for the Ole Miss-South Carolina basketball game next Tuesday that you go to Gamecock Traditions and get your quarter zip so you'll fit in with the other 18,000 people that will be in Colonial Life Arena. A special weekend of basketball could be on on tap uh, beginning tomorrow. Top-ranked UConn is on the road at St. John's. Uh, you've got fourth-ranked Houston and eighth-ranked Kansas to, uh, at 4 o'clock tomorrow on ESPN. You've got 16th-ranked Auburn on the road at Ole Miss. Boy, they better be careful there. Uh, you got seventh-ranked Duke and third-ranked North Carolina who just got upset in Atlanta by Georgia Tech. It's still Duke and North Carolina, though, a top-10 matchup tomorrow night on ESPN. And this game's been a little bit muddied, too, because of losses. Fifth-ranked Tennessee at 10th-ranked Kentucky. Neither one of them will be ranked there uh, next week, but it is late tomorrow night on ESPN at 8.30 and will be a tremendous atmosphere in Rupp Arena. Can I break the rules and throw two more quick things out as the music sounds? Number one, thoughts and prayers to the Mike Martin family. I got to know Mike uh fairly well did the 2013 super regional where they lost to indiana when kyle schwarber hit a ball that still hasn't landed to quiet a tallahassee crowd but what a class act would always act like he knew you for 40 years i was like how does he even know my name i'm just an announcer and he's like mike morgan how are you i mean just just that's how he was with everybody uh 11 as he liked to be called that was his number when he played we lost a great one in the college baseball family and this from Chris Doring, who's out there covering the Senior Bowl. I asked him about who looked good. He said Penix of the quarterbacks was the best, but Rattler did a really good job, improved every day. We might get Chris on to talk more about that because he goes yeah. to that event every year. That'd be great. I saw ESPN uh, re-rank their top 12 quarterbacks in the draft. They've got Rattler up to seven. Um, so uh, he's going to probably keep making a name for himself as they march towards the NFL draft, Mike, but yeah, that'd be great. We will we'll certainly, after they play the Senior Bowl tomorrow, we'll have a lot of discussion coming up on that next week uh, here on our program, so we're we're looking forward to it. Thanks to do what? Uh, I was just going to say uh, a quick plug for if you didn't catch Josh Pate on JC and Morgan, and we'll have Barrett Salee, who also does a great job covering the sport on Monday as well. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, look, it's going to be that's Monday be morning. He's got some new. Uh, he's got some new adventures going on. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much to uh, Coach Stuart Lake for joining us uh, back in hour number one, and uh, thanks to all of you, and of course to the amazing 
group that we uh, call ourselves Chief Sports Network. Mike Morgan, J.C. Sherbert, and Mad Dog, Phil Molinax. We'll be back on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend.